1: to the Mega Man Radio Show. I'm your host, Shannon Davis. Tonight is a live program. It is Friday, September the 24th, for archive purposes. So glad to see um, that we have some people to come back tonight. I thought it might be an empty room after last night's show. I'm not drinking a coffee, by the way, tonight. I've uh, switched over to uh, Tazo green tea with ice and a couple brown sugars. Ah, uh, there we go. So why don't we go ahead and open up the, uh, the program in prayer, because I'm going to need the anointing of God to articulate uh, what I'm trying to get across tonight. Father God, in Jesus Christ's name, I want to thank you for a time of being able to get together, to share your word, for fellowship, for friendship, for those that you have sent to this broadcast. I want to thank you, God, for this platform via Blog Talk Radio. And we can get the Word out and we can honestly examine the Scriptures and we can test all of our beliefs against the Scripture to examine, Father God, if maybe we have went off into doctrinal error over the course of our lives and we can get back on track. We must have a standard, Father God, and the standard is Your Holy Word, the Bible, that You have given us. And the Word of God will stand when All else fails. The word says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So I want to thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to come back on. And I ask that you would, not what I want to come out of my mouth, but what you want to come out. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Okay, so we had a very interesting program last night. I was uh, intending to uh, do another uh, segment on spiritual warfare and the subject of schizophrenia, and Pastor Holtzhauser was prepared to preach on that very topic until I diverted him and took him down another path. And um, we talked about some things that may have offended some of you, and I certainly need to clarify my standpoint so you don't think that I've been given over to Satan and uh, I'm a heretic, which I'm not, believe me. But uh, I've been around 40 years, and I was raised in the church, as many of you have known, me tell the story. Uh, Both grandfathers were Church of God ministers. I had a great-grandfather who was a minister. My father was a minister. And uh, I've seen a lot. uh, Raised in a uh, a family where my my father had the largest uh, religious agency in the world, they handled all the big-time televangelists, many that uh, I have called names out on this show. And I have to be careful there. The point is, I have seen a lot. I've been there and done that, so to speak. Uh, God is given me opportunities over my short lifetime to come in contact with a lot of people, and to really challenge me on what I believed, and if uh, what I really held as the gospel was truly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, or it was a uh, doctrine of devils, and I'll tell you, even as the door has opened up to do um, this radio show, and we've done, I guess, maybe 80 shows to date, last count I had, i am I've been given the opportunity to uh, talk with a lot of people with varying, differing views. And, you know, I really had to make a decision going in. What type of program uh, was this going to be? What was going to be the format of a Mega Man radio? I have some friends who have been doing uh, radio for many years. And some of them uh, wanted to kind of go after the format that uh, Art Bell had with Coast to Coast. Actually, one of the most interesting late-night talk show hosts of all time. You have to admit, if you've ever listened to Art Bell... And then he retired, and I think he maybe does one show a month. It was taken over by George Nord, but you know, if you know the format of Coast to Coast, what they do is uh, they open it up for discussions of every type on all ends of the spectrum and in between. And uh, unfortunately, most of their stuff has a New Age slant, and I can't stomach it, so therefore I don't listen uh, nightly. Uh, there are an occasional broadcasts which uh, I can glean something from and I'll listen to, but You know, that's just the format they go. So I have friends that decided to go that way, and they said, you know, we're just going to open it up to all views. And once again, I I look at the format of their shows every week, and, uh, you know, they're bringing on a lot of New Age doctrine of devils. And I just can't stomach that, folks. You know, I will not uh, compromise, and that's uh, maybe going to be the the title of tonight's show. Uh, Jesus Christ and Him Crucified, or compromise so um you know i decided i would do the program and uh i of course would allow the forum for people to uh you know speak what they believe but i control it to a large um means by bringing on uh, people that of course i have ch- i've checked out and i i uh i do support um, their view on a particular uh doctrine that i may be bringing them on to expound upon such as uh, Deliverance Ministry. What I have found out, unfortunately, though, is that there are very few people that are doing deliverance. So for those that are doing it, I give them kudos. And then of those very small groups that are doing deliverance, unfortunately, uh, they don't hold all the same doctrinal positions that I do. And ultimately, you've got to make the decision for yourself. Where are you going to stand in relation to the Word of God? Are you going to stand on the Word of God? Or are you going to go off of the doctrines of man and maybe what you've been taught for decades even? You know, we all are passed down doctrines, you know. Uh, our parents are raised a certain way, their parents were a certain way. And you know, if you were in the, your family, you know, comes out of the church, well then I'm sure they have some very ingrained beliefs on some things. I remember um, growing up I had a, an extra neighbor, his name was Greg Jents, Great friend, you know, me and my brother would go out and play after school, you know, the things that all kids do, play outside. And uh, my grandfather was a minister, so we would often go to church on Wednesday nights. I invited Greg Gents one night to go to church, and um, he came out of the Catholic church. I was Pentecostal. We were Church of God, you know, based out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Not the ones that handle snakes up in the mountains of Kentucky, okay? Or not the International Church of God with the Armstrong folks, but, you know, the Church of God. It came out, it broke from the assemblies, you know, it, was, it was Pentecostal. Okay, we believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for example. And we still do. And uh, I'm not a member of the Church of God, but I was raised that way. So, of course, I had a doctrinal slant. And there are some things that the uh, Church of God has been wrong about over the years. In fact, I have to date fa- not found any denomination which is, um, I believe, is moving in the full truth. Some things clearly they have a common denominator on such as salvation is only through Jesus Christ. That is true. There are other things that they will differ on which are not salvation doctrines. And so, that being the case, back to the story of Greg Gents. We were used to going to church Wednesday nights, and I always look forward to church Wednesday nights. You know, we'd go to have the Wednesday night Bible study in our classes, You know, get to interact with the other youth, and then... Uh, Usually we would go out after church and you know get a bite to eat. We call that afterglow. That was always fun, growing up, you know. So um, this particular week, I took me and my brother took Greg Gents to church with us, and he had a blast. Uh, He really enjoyed it. You know, it was unlike anything that he had ever been to before. He was used to,
2: uh,
1: you know, going up in the in the Catholic ranks and you know having to memorize the Catechism and you know all the rigid structure that is the Catholic Church, and you know he wasn't—you know—he wasn't able to come out and just play as a kid. You know, be himself, uh, fellowship with others. Like I guess he had found that we were able to do at our church, so he enjoyed it. And I think he went maybe twice with us before his mother asked him and said, "Where are you going Wednesday nights? What's going on?" And he explained, "Well, I'm going over here to the church." What? You know, she literally almost had a heart attack. Now this was a very hardcore. Um, Catholic family I don't know how many generations It went back that they were Catholics And uh, here's what basically ended up happening She sat me down at the table one day Called me over and I'm there with my friend Greg And yeah, I think maybe I'm 13 at the time And she says uh, we need to explain something to you Greg's not going to be able to go back to church with you Because you know we don't believe like you do The Catholic Church as authority comes from the Pope And his authority Comes from Peter The Rock that Jesus Christ said that He would build His church on, and uh, then she went on to expound and say that basically, you know, I was a heretic because uh, we were not Catholics, and He could no longer associate with us on that level and go to church. And that was really my first confrontation with, uh, you know, a challenge to my beliefs. And I I was, I came out of there, you know, 13 years old. I was thinking. uh, Man, are they right or am I right? Who's wrong here? Something's not right here. I was actually offended to a certain degree. You know, I was hurt. But uh, I didn't let it spin me off and, um, and cause me to go out of the church. I stood, I stood fast to my beliefs and what I was raised in, and I just believed she was in doctrinal error, and I still do today. I'll, I'll circle back around the Catholic Church, but that's not the priority of what I want to talk about tonight. You know, there are thousands of denominations, folks. Can everybody be right? I ask you that. The important thing is, where do they stand on the issue of salvation? Okay? Because the Bible is very clear that there is no way to the Father except to the Son, and that's His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me be very clear on that. And um, I want to make sure that there is no misunderstanding on my beliefs I will tell you that uh, I have some personality quirks. Okay, I'm not really confrontational. I don't like confrontation. I would rather uh, avoid it, like the play, at least when it comes to confronting someone else. Now, I have no problem voicing my beliefs, as I'm doing right now. But uh, clearly, um, doing what I'm doing in this radio program, and as I laid the groundwork, i come in contact with a lot of ministries. Um. I found, unfortunately, that (laughs) no one agrees on every doctrinal issue. And and here's the the thing, the danger that we've got to be careful of. If it's not a salvation doctrine, then you've got to leave some space, okay, for people to have their beliefs. And, you know, if you really believe that they're an error, then pray for them. You can, of course, challenge them. But let me tell you what we have a tendency to do. We have a tendency in the church to say, it's my way or you're on the highway to hell and I want nothing to do with you. Uh, we are no better than the Pharisees, you know, who kept the letter of the law. I mean, they knew the they knew the law that God had handed down through Moses. At that time, you know, all we had was the Old Testament. You had the Torah, the T O R A H, which was the first five books of Moses, and you had the prophets, and that's all they had, my friends. And they didn't have the luxury of uh, having a personal version of that, like you and I have tonight. I hope you have one tonight called the Bible. You know, it was written on these scrolls, and you had to be a very rich man to pay a scribe, and you had to have a lot of cattle because it cost cost you a lot of skins, and to have that scribe take the time uh, to go ahead and make you a copy. And these scribes didn't take their word of God lightly when they went to uh, make copies. They had a system for checking it, a thing called equidistant lettering sequence. Okay, they had numeric values that were signed, and they could determine, uh, you know, if there was any error. And they they basically believed it could be you know, it was damnable to change the Word of God, and I believe it is. I mean, you know, we shouldn't add nor take away from the Word of God. That's what it says There's a warning to those that will. My point, though, is they, they did it with very much care and precision. And so, you know, I took a long job, and that, that required a lot of work, and it was very expensive. So where am I going with this? Um, not everybody had the Word of God like we did. And then, of course... New Testament comes along, the ministry of Jesus Christ, the the true Son of God. The only one that uh, enables us to come to the Father, if we accept him and his shed blood at Calvary, and we become a servant to Christ, Okay, not call him our big brother, it's to bow our knee before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, who was there on creation day. Okay, that is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, until Father God makes Jesus' enemies his footstools, and he is returning again at the last trump. And I believe that uh, if you're listening to this program tonight, there's a high probability that you and I will be alive during the return of Jesus Christ. Now, whether or not we make it to see him return, that's another discussion. Because many are going to be offended. For the name Jesus Christ. and are not going to be willing to go all the way with Christ to the very end. Whatever their end may be. So, you know, this is such a big topic. I'm trying to stay focused, so bear with me here. I will weave it together. Asking for God to help me to focus tonight. So I want to cover several points. So, the New Testament is written. Most of it is the Writing of the Apostle Paul, he wrote probably, what, two-thirds of the New Testament. You've got the book of Revelation by, what, John the Revelator, who was exiled to Patmos. And you have the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've got, of course, the Acts and then the Epistles. And, you know, you've got various letters, you've got various small books uh, that various disciples of Jesus Christ wrote and that uh, we have today that form up the New Testament, combine the two, you've got the, the Bible, which I call the whole counsel of God. When Jesus came, the, the Old Testament was not obliterated, my friends. Certain parts of it, okay, uh, we're not required to keep anymore. But my point is, is there's power in the Old Testament, just as there's power in the New Testament, and herein starts the schism, You've got the orthodox Jews who uh, at one time held to the Torah, the the prophets and then they were deceived. They were bewitched. And what they decided to do was jump from that to you know 2000 man-made laws and traditions uh, of the the Jewish sages. It's known as the Talmud. T A L M U D. And what they did basically is they men used that to supplant to replace the Word of our Creator God. Even today, if you were a, uh, a Jewish person, you're going to be caught up in all these rules and regulations of the Pharisees that Jesus had to confront in his time. Now remember, Jesus was Hebrew. Okay, He was Jewish. Okay, But the point is, is he kept the Word of God. He didn't keep the man-made traditions that the Pharisees were. And he challenged them on it as they came up to him and accused him and the disciples, you know. Why aren't you keeping the law, you know, which says that you're supposed to uh, wash your hands before you eat? You know, there's a whole law about the ceremonial washing of hands. I put an emphasis on ceremonial. Before you could eat, you had to have a special, it was like a, think of it as a kettle or a cup with like two, two arms on it, and you would take and filled water and sprinkle some on your left hand, say a prayer, sprinkle on your right hand, say a prayer, your left hand say prayer, right hand, say prayer. You would get up in the morning and I think you would have to tie your left shoe first and your right shoe. They had a a system of rules that would govern or govern from the time you got up to the time you went to bed, and this was in existence in Jesus' time, and Jesus came out against this he says, you know this is basically hogwash, okay you have basically taken. And instead of keeping the commandments of God, you're keeping the doctrines of men, doctrines of devils. And so modern-day Israel, if they're religious at all, and not everyone in Israel is, okay, don't be mistaken. I've been there twice. I know what I'm talking about. I've talked to them. And there's religious Jews, and there's people that uh, they're apostate, just like Christians are. And my point is, is the vast majority of them... uh, Go by this man-made laws and traditions. And then they have a uh, a demonic aspect to that. It goes into Jewish witchcraft. It's called the Kabbalah. People like Madonna in recent time have started to go after that. Where am I going with this? What I'm saying here is that's the state of modern-day Israel. You've got a very small group that um, keep the the literal first five books of Moses and the prophets, you know, the Torah. They're called the Kiriteites. And they believe in a literal, okay, literal word of God. They keep it. Nehemiah Gordon would be an example of that. There's an estimated fifteen to thirty thousand Karyites worldwide, but um, that's another subject. The point is, is modern day Jews don't even keep the word of God. And for those that are messianic and accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah, that would be the exception there.
3: <clears throat>
1: but that's the state. They don't uh, believe in the New Testament. Um, and you and I basically are the goyim, you know, we're heathen. Okay, you've got the, that's one side of the picture I want to paint for you. You've got the modern-day Christian church. We call ourselves Christians. Many just are Christians in name only. They said a two-second prayer, and uh, they claim maybe membership. They go occasionally. Maybe they just go on a high holiday or something. And um, they go back to doing what they want to do during the week. They really don't change anything in their life. They haven't truly repented Repent means to change. And so uh, what do they do? Um, it's more like a club to them. It's all about the events. It's a fact, you know, I can get in a few minutes before church starts, grab the coffee, go into the auditorium where they have the seats that look like a cinema multiplex, and they flip up, and most of them don't have altars, and they have a big screen, and there's some praise music, and you go look on the stage, and there's a maybe a youth pastor with a pair of jeans with a hole in the knee. I've seen some that... Uh, you know, have real, maybe it's like in a T-shirt, maybe tennis shoes, spiked hair. Maybe you'll have some that uh, have a little bit more respect for the house of God and will come in dressed in the best that they can. Now, I'm not saying that if you can't afford a suit, you don't go to the house of God. No, God will take you how you are. Come as you are. But uh, there's no respect anymore, people, in the house of God. They've done away with the altars in most cases. An altar calls a thing of the past, and even the music has changed. Unlike the song that we had at the beginning of the show, by the blood of Jesus. You know, I hear those songs and it makes me cry because I remember the what it used to be like before the church changed, before it was bewitched. In fact, I want to thank Dr. Pat Holiday for giving me even one of the old red hymnals. So I've got it. And I'm going to be finding more songs and bringing them on. Where am I going? Well, you've got the mainstream church, which says, the Old Testament's not for today. We're not under the law. We're under a new covenant. And um, by the way, in addition to that, really, I, I don't uh, gain anything by reading the Old Testament. Uh, and you know, there is a book in there by, in our New Testament too, which is for us today, and it's called the Revelations. But that's really not for us either, because T.D. Jakes and T.B.N. and you know the mainstream televangelists all told us that we're going to get out of here on a all expenses paid first class ticket into the rapture before any persecution tribulation start. Okay, and then, uh, not only do they throw out in parts of the Word of God, they pick and choose, but uh, if you were to put them up against someone who's clearly of the world, doesn't know Christ, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart, because you don't see Jesus shine in them. You look at their actions, and you see they're no different than the world. They go to the same places of entertainment, they talk the same language, Okay, They look the same. Some of them have daughters that uh, go to church dressed like Britney Spears. You can see their waistline causes many men to fall. Their kids uh, are fornicating. Their children are having abortions. The kids are strung out on drugs. Ultimately, some of the parents will say, you know what, I, this just isn't working out. I've got one life to live. I want to be happy, so hasta la vista. Let's get a divorce. Folks, it shouldn't be that way. American church is in compromise, and it's being set up for a great fall. And they think that anything goes. Oh, and by the way, you know, I accepted Jesus, so I can't I can't fall. And many of them look at it as insurance policy, and that's really what they're doing. They say, well, there might be some truth to this Jesus, but really uh, I want to be the the best that I can be now. I want to live the best life that I can now. You know, that's what most of these motivational uh, pulpit pimps are preaching right now. Your best life now. They'll tell you, you know, God wants you to be rich just sow your seed. Now, you know, you you hear me preach about this all the time, but it's true. Look at most of the doctrines. If you were just to, you know, take a a week out and, and analyze all this and write down what their common denominator is, it's about the blessings of God and the conduit for that is sending money to them. Look, that's a doctrine of demons. In fact, if everybody got the chance to be rich like the televangelists are and want you to be, or they, they say you can be, rather, very few do, then uh, you're probably on the road to hell because it's easier for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter in heaven. That's not, let's say, it's Shannon Davis, that's our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, the Son of the one true living God, Jesus Christ. That's what he said. So um, we've got a problem there. And some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, maybe you've never heard of before, maybe you're just now hearing about them, maybe you have, ultimately you're going to confront some of these things and you're going to be faced with a decision to look at yourself and say, wow, I I need to scrutinize things. And you're going to see that some things are just blatant heresy that we've been taught. And then that leads you to having to make a decision. Well, if that was wrong, what else is wrong? It gets down to the fact that uh, you're walking, you find yourself walking through a minefield okay, of doctrinal error. And it's very easy to get bewitched, to trip up, and you can fall. But I would say, but for the grace of God, uh, we would all have a very tough time. Because I've heard some things have challenged me, and then it made me walk away, and I thought, well, there's some truth there. I don't guess I'm even saved, or I don't think I can even trust the Bible anymore. I mean, that would be some things that would try to attack me. And you've got to realize these are attacks of the enemy. It's a tough thing to examine yourself. Self-change is tough. It's very tough to admit that you're wrong or that maybe what you've been taught for decades or your whole family believes, but you've woken up to the truth as God pulled the scales off your eyes, uh, is wrong. And then the question is you're you're forced to make a decision. Are you going to overlook it, say, oh, well, and go back to sleep, or... Now challenge with it, are you going to go seek it out, find the truth, and then make any adjustments that might be required at that time? Thank God that not everything is salvation doctrine that um, we've been taught. It could be an error, because then we'd really be screwed. And uh, most of what I'm talking about is not salvation doctrine, but some things can certainly kill you faster than others if you do them or you don't do them. They can shorten your lifespan. There were some deception that are pur- purposely being orchestrated. The Bible talks about, you know, m- great deception. That even at the very elect, they would be deceived if it were possible. Satan is diversified, and his main goal is to still kill you and I, if he could, and destroy us. Okay, to rob from us the blessings of God, what God intended for you and I to do to keep us from keeping our calling, and so on. And he will often use his messengers, men and women, and their mouths, to plant seed, to plant doubt, to basically lie to you. You've got to be on guard because there are spirits working behind many ministers out there teaching damnable doctrines. And you've got to be on guard And you've got to do like I'm doing now. I'm saying, God, I want to know the truth. Because, you know, the truth will set you free, folks. And I say, God, please don't let me be deceived. Take the blinders off of my eyes. Uh, If I've done wrong, I will repent. And teach me your ways, Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what I've been uh, going through the past couple years. Maybe you're just beginning down the road to examine things, to find out if, What you have been told and indoctrinated in, and in some cases people have been brainwashed to believe a certain way, is actually true? Or it's just that? It's heresy. I can only say that uh, I thank God that I was raised in a Christian church, even with the problems that all the Christian denominations have, than to have been raised a Muslim or a Hindu. Because then we would have a real learning curve to get to speed on. And, I mean, and there's millions, and there's, I guess, an estimated billion Muslims. Uh, will they make it to heaven without Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. There's potentially a billion going to hell right now. Does God have mercy and grace? Absolutely. And he's saving it. Muslims now, even now. And they're the ones that are able to go back in and, and proselytize to uh, preach the truth of Jesus Christ. that can set men free in those communities where they were once a uh, Muslim. And it's just not reg- reg- relegated to the Muslims. You've got the Hindus. You've got Jehovah Witness. You've got Mormons. They've got some serious doctrinal issues, my friends. Doctrines of demons. Okay, that will send you to hell if you don't uh, repent and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Again, there's only one name under heaven by which man might be saved, and that's God's son Jesus Christ. Let's start right there. I want to uh, repent for not defending the name of Jesus Christ as adamantly as I should have last night. Again, I'm new to radio. Uh, I'm, I'm not a experienced uh, confer- confrontationalist, if you want to call it that. I'm asking God to give me more boldness, and even if it will cost me friends, I've got to speak the truth. And the, uh, the sad part is, uh, all the people that I know, I differ with them on one thing or another. And uh, it's not a salvation folk issue, folks. I mean, I cut people slack. I'm not going to throw them under the bus. I'm not going to break friendship with them. In fact, even if someone doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, I'm not going to say, I can't talk to you anymore. more. And you leave a door open and you, you pray for people. But now, I, I will tell you that I know people that once uh, to know what I believe. They'll probably throw me under the bus and Cut me off from Facebook and never talk to me again, never come back on the show. If it just gets down to me preaching the Word of God, that's what I'll do. I'm not here for the acclaim of man. I don't take a salary from this show. I don't support myself off of this show. I thought that uh, I would be, and then God dealt with me and He said, You're not going to rely on me, you're going to rely on me. And I said, Yes, God, I've relied on you in the past and you have made provision for me. You'll do it again. I mean, I just assumed that if I was going to put in six hours a day that, you know, I know a workman is worth this hire. but uh, I'm not telling you that you don't support it. But if you do, I want you to rest assured that I take nothing from it. It goes to the ministry. And I want to thank everybody who has supported to date. Some people have given all that they could. They gave a widow's might. Praise God for them. God looks at the heart, my friends. And that's the core issue that we're going to talk about tonight. God has blessed others, and they've given more bountifully. But God looks at your heart, my friends. And uh, anything that has been given will be put to good use. I uh, I cannot afford to not be a good steward of what God entrusts me with. And we receive very little. I'll be honest with you. We've done 80 shows. We brought in $1,000. You do the math. What is that per show? About 8 bucks. That doesn't even pay the, uh, well, basically I'll about break even with the blog talk bill, bit. You know, I'd like to do some other things, but uh, you know I'm relying on God for that. You know if people don't support it. that's fine. God will make a way if He wants me to go to the next level. Okay, that's not the point of the show. Let me uh, hit in, in rapid succession. I'm gonna have to extend the time here. I see my time running out. Uh, I may go three hours tonight. <laughs> Depends if I decide to preach. <laughs> uh, so where shall we begin? Let me take the uh, the most uh, let me start at the top. How about that? That's probably the best place to go. The name of our Creator. We talked a little bit about that last night, didn't we? Maybe, maybe you've never heard what we're going to say tonight. Maybe you have heard people mention it, but you weren't sure about it. Uh, you certainly don't hear it in most of the mainstream contemporary churches. God has a name, my friends. He's had a name since the beginning of time. I'm talking about the one true Creator of the universe. The one that created all that was made. And uh, in our modern-day Bibles, and I personally love the King James. I believe it is the the inspired word of God. I believe it is uh, it is the the word of God, and I believe it's the best we've got in English. When I say best we've got, yeah, there are a couple words that you know, not salvation issues that maybe they they need to upgrade. You know, it was written 400 years ago, but I will tell you, it has survived 400 years. And there's been many a corruption of the word of God into these new age Bible versions, and they've taken the blood out and they've taken out references to prayer and fasting, and they've tried to homogenize the gospel and and call God a she, and, you know, all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. The fact is, men died to bring you and eye to King James Bible if you speak English, and you're reading it today. And yes, it can be difficult. You know, there's a hundred words that are not commonly used in today's modern English, which is always changing, by the way, modern English. But, you know, there's nothing that a good dictionary won't take care of. And uh, that aside, well, I, I, I were trying to read the Bible and I don't understand it. Folks, you're not obligated to understand everything immediately. You're obligated to put it into you, to study it. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal its meaning to you and I. Because it's a, it's a sealed book, my friends. Especially prophecy. And uh, unless God reveals it to you, there's a lot of things that we'll just never know we'll not be able to grasp. Okay, Remember that the the little God of this world, Satan, has blinded the eyes of men that, that they would not see. They would not be able to hear, that they might be converted. And um, you've got to understand that it does re- require the Holy Spirit to unlock it, but he's more than willing to do that. If we seek the kingdom of God, God will make a way for us to have the understanding that we need. And you have to study it. You've got to put it into you. And, uh, you know, just load it up into your memory bank. And when you need it, the Holy Spirit will quicken it. And we've got to study to show ourselves approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So I stick with the King James Bible. Yeah, there's a couple things I'd like to see updated. You know, over there we talks about the the wine and and old bottles. You know, you don't put, uh, excuse me, old wine and new bottles Because it would cause them to burst. Well, I think that the correct rendition should be wineskins. That's what they were dealing with back then. Okay, Um, back in the New Testament church. Wineskins, my friend. And it's true. If you take new wine, uh, old wine, you put it into a, um, well, excuse me. I'm saying new wine into an old wineskin. What will it do? It will burst. Okay, there we go. New wine into old wineskins. So, yeah, I would like to see them do that. Then there's a, there's an issue over there. It talks about, uh, you know, uh, Jesus hanging out at one of the lepers' houses. Well, that particular word that says leper, it could be translated as leper or, you know, jar maker, uh, you know, pottery maker. Uh, and I, I don't believe Jesus was hanging out with lepers, okay? They, they were not allowed to live where everybody else was. I mean, that was, uh, you know, they were like on the outskirts of everything. They didn't live in town because, uh, folk. that's a disease that would kill you, cause your body parts to fall off. My point is, uh, yeah, there's some things that I would like to see updated, but uh, all that's kind of minuscule. Uh, The issue that I took last night was in the name of our Creator. And in the King James Bible, it's a fact, if you go back and where you see most of the the name of God written uh, in the Old Testament, what the English translators did is they took the name and they put it as capital L-O-R-D. Wherever you see capital L-O-R-D, you're looking at the name of God. But that's not his name. You'll see the Lord of Lords? Absolutely. But, but our Creator has a name. and uh, The Jewish people believed that it was forbidden to speak the name of God audibly. Okay, and there's nowhere in the Bible that says you can't speak the name of God. But if I'm not mistaken... It does say that over in their man-made traditions, the Talmud, which, again, they use as uh, over the the true word of God, as they do with many traditions in there, and that's that's heresy. So what they did is they basically said, we're not going to speak it. And what they'll do is they'll refer to it as Hashem, the name, H-A-S-H-E-M, Hashem. They would use other ways to identify the Creator. And, uh, you know, God told Moses what his name was. You know, Moses goes up on the Mount Sinai and says, you know, you want me to go down and deliver this message to the people? They're going to say, who sent me? And God spoke he, and he first revealed his name. He said, I am sent you. I am. He is one of the names of God. So if you want to call, call him I am, okay. Go for it. It is a name of God. But we also know he is our heavenly father, okay? Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Now, that is a provision there, folks. If you want forgiveness, you must first forgive those that trespass against you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So he called him Father. And we we have the right to call our Heavenly Father, Father. That's who he is. So you can call him Father if you want to call him I Am. Well, you can call him God because he is the God of gods. The distinguishment I'm trying to make here is not to force you into what you want to call the creator. That's up to you between you and him. It's not about the name as much as it is about relationship, my friends. Now, I wouldn't say you go out and call him Harry. That's not his name. That would be just downright disrespectful. You don't call him Pokemon. How do you think you'd feel if you called him that? Or Shakazulu. That's not the name of God. He has names. He has many. But um what I want to make the distinguishment of is you've got to understand why are we even bring this up because you've got to understand there's great deception out there. Just as Jesus Christ says, not everyone that calls me Lord. Lord does the will of my Father in heaven. You may have cast out demons. You may have healed the sick. You may have done miracles. But I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. He threw them into the lake of fire. The angel takes the person at that time and throws them into a literal lake of fire. Okay, we're looking at the white throne judgment. That's a, that's a a picture of a soon coming time. If you were to die tonight, okay, your spirit leaves the body. Okay, You're either going to be with the Lord God Almighty, uh, or you're going to be in hell. Now, w- what its actual name is, uh, I don't know if it's Hades Hell. You get my point. There is a little one, it's a prison down there. And you wait eternal judgment. Okay? Ultimately, we all stand before God. We'll give an accounting. And if we don't know His Son Jesus Christ, your destination, my destination, will be the lake of fire. Where Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist get cast in. Everything else. That's in the end. Right now, if you died and didn't know Christ, you would go down and you would be in a prison cell. You'd be tortured. You wouldn't be able to sleep ever again. You wouldn't be able to drink any water. You won't have any company. You'll just hear screams. You'll be pitch black, but you'll have your body parts ripped and abused and raped and tortured. And you'll feel the fire. Okay, you will be tortured. You want to know what awaits a person doesn't accept Jesus Christ? Go read the account of Bill Weiss, 28 Minutes in Hell. It's the most graphic, factual account that I know, and it's not his vain imagination. He backs it all up with scripture, okay? So, I'm not going to argue over what the name of hell is. Uh, Our guest last night believed it could be Sheol. You know, I believe there are different different compartments. I don't believe that's really important, whether it's hell or or Hades or Sheol. Bottom line is I know it exists, and I don't want to go there, and I don't think you do either. And I believe there are some lower portions, you know, in outer darkness. Uh, there's a place, clearly, where the some of the fallen angels that raped the women and had offspring, they were bound up in their chained in eternal darkness until their judgment day. I believe that's probably what would be called Tartarus. We know that demons don't want to go to Tartarus. They don't like that. They would rather you cast them into uh, dry places. That means they, can, they jump out of one person, they go and they can find another host. Another person to ride their back like a... A camel jockey, you know, or a guy over at the uh, the races. That's what they are, these little things. They ride the backs of horses. We're the horses, okay? They've got to fit into your body, so they've got to be small, but they can manifest in some very big forms, too. Don't get me wrong. They come in all shapes and sizes. I'm trying to cover some of these points as I, I hit them, but the emphasis I want to make is our father does have a name, and for, for ages the Jewish people blotted it out. It's unfortunate because I believe there's a part in there where God got angry and they went into captivity. They wouldn't speak the name of God. Um, So what am I saying here? I'm saying God does have a name, okay? And uh, if you know it, then it's your option if you want to use it. Don't condemn me if I want to use the name of God. I never knew what it was until one day, maybe 15 years ago, I was riding down the road and there was some Muslim who had bought some airtime and it was uh, some song that was kind of, going viral on the radio networks. DJs are playing, and it was some Muslim. He had, had one of these uh, beats, like a pop beat song. I don't know which song it was. I remember it, but I recognize that part. But then he's put his own lyrics to it. He's kind of given a history. And he's, you know, taking down Christianity and promoting uh, Islam. I think it was back during the days of Malcolm X. It was probably around that time frame. And uh, anyway, he, he said something, though, that I glean. He says, you know, Christians don't even know the name of their God, Yahweh. I said, Yahweh, who's that? Never heard that before. Well, if you do some research on your own, and that's what I would tell you to do tonight, don't take my word on it, go do some research. I just want to tell you where I stand. God has a name, and it's I Am, or, you know, capital I, capital A-M, uh, or, you call him by his other name, Yahweh. Now, we know what is known as the Tetragrammaton, the uh, the Y H B H, however you spell that, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh? Am I pronouncing it right? And, you know, if you wanted to really read Hebrew and get the Old Testament Hebrew, even if you could read Hebrew, you got to understand, you got to read it right to left. And the name of God is encoded in the Torah. Okay? It's yod vade vav heh And uh, I'm not a neuro- neuro-linguistic expert or a expert in ancient languages. I don't know how to read Hebrew, but I know enough... To get the answer that I need, and that is, what is the name of God? His name is Yahweh, or you could probably say Yahovah, Y A H W E H, or some spell Y A H O V A H, depending on what vowels you put in between those consonants. Y H W H. Bottom line is, uh, most school of thought is, His name is Yahweh. Okay? What have we done in the English language? Well, we took the other option, Yehovah, and we, we spelled it in English. We took Change a Y to a J. You've got to understand, there's never been a J in Hebrew since the beginning of time. Not today, either. There's nobody in Israel that's uh, Hebrew that has a name starts with a J. They have them with Y, absolutely. But um, that's what we've done. And I think that's probably uh, as close as you're going to get the English transliteration, you know, Jehovah. But uh, I, I tend to lean towards the Yahweh, so what have I done in my own life? I realize that there's a lot of people that say, "Yeah, I worship God," but do they really worship the God you and I worship? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son, the Creator of the universe, His Father, God? No, they they worship a god. The Muslims say where well, they worship God, but it's not you and I's God. They worship a sun demon. His name is Allah, and their prophet is a guy named Muhammad. Okay, so if they, they if you were to say, "Well, we both worship God, folks," you don't. Okay, they worship a sun demon. We, we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God that created all things that were created. Okay, well, but what are you talking about, Omega? Let's talk about another use, just the name Lord. Many people have lords that they worship. How about Lord Vishnu? You know, there's, there's Hindu demonic gods that have a title Lord. Okay, uh, anybody who owned land in England had the title of a Lord. So, you know, I worship the Lord. Well, what Lord do you what do you worship is the question you may be asked. If it's just you, say, you know, I, I praise you, Lord. Well, God hears you and he honors your heart. He knows who you worship. That's the bottom line I'm going to make tonight. Uh, he knows who you worship. He looks at the heart. So can you say, Lord, sure. But I just want you to understand that uh, when you're dealing with the world and they and you hear people say, oh, I praise the Lord. George Harrison praises the Lord, but it's not Father God or Jesus Christ, His Son. It was Hare Krishna. And if you believed in Hare Krishna, probably believed you had that ponytail, and what what happens is in the rapture, their Lord, Hare Krishna, will come and basically grab you by the ponytail, and that's how you get raptured out. He grabs you by that, and you get plucked out. Folks, you go to hell if you believe that doctrine, and your Lord is Hare Krishna. It's not the same Lord that that I serve. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the etymology, how that all came about. Uh, even today, most of the Jewish folks have blotted out the name of God. They will not speak it. We don't even know what the name of God is in the Western culture. So most of us don't even care, unfortunately, to even research. And that's a shame, because God wants us to know his name. So what am I saying? I've just told you the name of God. Go look it up for yourself. Yahweh, or Yehovah, Spell with a Y. If you want to call them that, that's up to you. Praise God. Uh, I was raised just knowing one name, God. Some people say, hey, I just call him Father. That's fine, too. I'm starting, I, sometimes I say, I want to thank you, Father Yahweh. Or, I want to thank you, God. Hey, either is acceptable. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just making a point here. I want you to understand. You've got to have some discernment here. Not everybody cries, Lord, Lord, is going to make it to heaven. Not everybody that says that they worship God, worship the same God as you. And that's going to be very important. Okay. To stay alive in the deception that's coming, which we're going to be talking about momentarily. There is a great deception coming, folks. Do not be deceived. Jesus Christ warned us not to be deceived. Okay? Okay, so I'm kind of of taking my time. but I want to make sure I cover this effectively here. Let's go on to the name of... Let me take a sip of my tea. Um, Oh. Yeah, let me uh, me fill this in. I, I did a little bit of research. I am is the English translation of the meaning of God's personal name. God does have a personal name. His title is God. He is the God of the universe. And, you know, some people kind of go overboard with it, and, you know, you'll get these emails. So I just want to tell you what you may get if you haven't gotten already. You'll see a capital G, and they'll, they won't they even put O in the middle. They'll put an underscore and a D. Come on, folks. That's insane. But, hey, if you want to do it, go for it. You're not going to go to hell because you spell the name of God. What that is is... That's uh, that's us trying to do what the Jews did. They don't want to speak the name of God, so they basically blotted it out to where most people don't even remember what the name of God was. And that's our English version of using something like Hashem, the name. We put that underscore. That's, that's just total bullcrap. Okay? I'm sorry, but that's the case. Don't be ashamed of the name of your father. Uh, it says you don't use the name of... Lord thy God. Yahweh thy God is the actual translation. He is our God. His name is Yahweh. In vain. In other words, you don't say, go out and say GD, okay? Uh, You don't use it, you know, uh, like that. In profanity. But God wants us to have a a relationship with him. So it's all right to know his name. So I am is the English translation of the meaning of God's personal name. The English transliteration of God's personal name Y H W H, that's known as the Tetragrammaton. If you put the add ad, ad, ad the vowels in it, you would come out with Yahweh, Y A H W H, and that's translated, "I am who I am." You know. Let's talk about his son. So before I go there, again, I'm saying it's fine. You want to call him God? You want to talk? Call him Yahweh, Jehovah, or I am, or just Father. All of them are acceptable. He's looking at your heart. Uh, if you're his child, he'll hear you when you call out to him. Okay. Um, his son, God has a son. His name is Jesus Christ. That is the English name of our Lord and Savior, the Son of God. Okay, Jesus is the English name. It was derived from the late Latin name. I can't pronounce this, I-E-S-U-S, which transliterates to the Queen, Greek name. I can't read the Greek uh Bottom line is, um, Jesus Christ is my Savior, and that's who I pray to, pray to my friends. Now, I became aware that uh, Jesus had a Hebrew name, and he was Hebrew, okay, we all know that. He was a Hebrew, he was Jewish, you know, he went to the synagogue, um, he was the Son of God, he came down through the, the virgin birth of Mary, and um, his mother Mary. Called him something. She had to call him something. What did she call him? Well, in my studies, I believe that she called him by a name, and it was most likely Yeshua, or Yahshua, however you want to pronounce it, whether you spell it with the E or the H. And if you if you spell it Yeshua, okay, what that means it translates it as Yahweh is salvation. You know, the name of Jesus Christ meant something in Hebrew. Now, I'm not Hebrew, folks. I don't speak Hebrew. And uh, I'm thankful that I know the name of Jesus Christ, that he was called by his mother. Okay? Does that have any less or more power than the name of Jesus Christ? No. Because I speak English, my friends. Okay? I don't speak Hebrew. And so it had to be translated into our English tongue. And translated means Jesus Christ. Okay? When I pray to Jesus Christ, there's authority. He is the Son of the living God. Yahweh. I am. Our Father. Okay? Okay? Demons will flee at the name of Jesus. People are set free in the name of Jesus. And Jesus Christ set himself up on Calvary and shed his blood for us. And other than accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you and I will not make it. There is only one name written under heaven which by, man, by which man might be saved. And that's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In English, if you spoke Hebrew, then you, you would say, well, there's never been a man born in... Israel with the name Jesus because number one there is no J in our alphabet it was Y okay and you take the you take it backwards you're going to end up with uh, most likely uh, Yeshua which means Yahweh's salvation so that's fine what am I saying you need to start calling me Yeshua no not at all I'm merely saying that uh, if you want to do that that's fine don't let anybody stop you and say oh you're going to hell because you don't use the name Jesus and I don't really see that the case what I see of the case is some the other side of the spectrum. You've got these people who have become enlightened on some things about the fact that we've come out of the pagan church. We've still got a, one foot in Catholicism and Babylonian sun god worship, which we'll cover in a minute. And they said, I know the true name of God, and I know that his, Jesus Christ, his, his true Hebrew name. So I'm part of an elitist group. And uh, you must use the name Yeshua, or you're going to go to hell. Folks, I ran into that 2005. It came out of some of the crap coming out of Michael Rood's camp. Now, I like Michael Rood. I met Michael Rood. I actually took him to Waffle House. He's a smart man, and he's got a lot of good teaching, but I don't agree with everything over there. And uh, basically, I went over to one of their bulletin boards, and I wanted to talk about, you know, where we are in end-time prophecy. And I use the name Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. And you would not believe the, the animosity that came out of that. People wanted to rip me apart. If they literally could have killed me, they would have killed me that day. They basically said, you're not allowed to use the name Jesus. They tried to give me some crap that it comes from the etymology going back to some cow. That's bull crap. Excuse my French here tonight, my Italian. Okay, the name of Jesus Christ is the English transliteration of his Hebrew name. It is the English name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It has power. And that's who I choose to refer to my Creator Son by. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sent by the Father God. I just want to be clear on that. And I wasn't clear on that last night. And I repent, folks, for not defending the name of Jesus Christ because I've dealt with this before and I've just got to be bold, my friends. If it means I lose friends, I've got to stand up for the name of Jesus Christ. If we cannot stand up for the name of Jesus Christ now, what will you do when they said you're going to lose your head unless you deny Him? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do I hear an amen out there? If there's an amen, show me an amen in the chat room. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Jesus Christ is my Lord. But let me let me say something to you. I was in a chat room and they said, you're not allowed to use the name Jesus Christ. That's not his name. Folks, that's bullcrap. That is his name. I don't speak Hebrew. I speak English. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat again for the third time. And so they said, do it one more time and we're going to boot you. And literally what they did is, uh, one guy came up to my defense and he he used some crap like this. He meant well, but it was still crap. He says, remember the verse that says, those who are not against us are for us. And I'm thinking, what hypocrisy, my friends. Same group would have me grow a beard, start wearing tallites. Okay? They want me to go back and... uh, Go back and take the King James Bible and go in there and start using the Hebrew names of the apostles. And before you know it, you're, you're just, you don't know what the heck you're doing. And I'll tell you, it planted a seed. And I thought for a moment, I said, well, wait a minute, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not even saved because I'm calling on the name of Jesus. That's the point I want to make. That is a doctrine of devils. Okay? They take a little bit of truth and they contort it. They twist it. That's what Satan does. He has a little bit of truth to trap you and cause you to lower your apprehension to what you're hearing and receive it, and then he throws in the damnable doctrine. The folks that tell you that if you use the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to hell, the Lord rebuke you right now. I bind the foul spirits in you in Jesus Christ's name, because that's what you've got operating in you. It's legalism, okay? It's legalism. And you've got to come to the point in time where you make a decision. What are you going to believe? Because if you don't, Satan will cause unbelief and doubt to creep in there, and you'll be doubting your own salvation. And, Frank, I'll tell you, it's getting tiring, my friends. I know a lot of people. And to think that if I don't automatically use the name of Yahweh for instead of God, or I use the Hebrew name for Jesus Christ, Yeshua, That they want to throw me out, and literally they would, if they could. And I'm sorry for compromising last night. A lot of what we talked about was true, but there was some doctrinal error there, and I didn't stand up for Christ, so I ask you to forgive me, and I ask the Lord Jesus to forgive me. I'm not going to deny Christ, my friends. That being said, if you wanted to use the Hebrew name, that's fine, go for it, okay? But, listen, I don't believe Jesus Christ is that concerned the fact that uh, we're not Hebrew I mean we are Gentiles grafted in we are part of the Commonwealth of Israel we're grafted in. The, we're the wild branch grafted into the the olive tree and uh, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ there's power in the name of Yeshua if you want to use it that's fine but for me in my house we're going to use Jesus Christ okay do you understand that I want to be very clear see Randall just tuning in Randall you missed some great preaching my friend but um, it, it's what I, I said at the beginning. It's like walking a minefield, my friends. You've got you'll come across some truth, but you have got to be careful. It can destroy you. It can cause you to start going off into damnable doctrines, doctrines of demons. Is there some truth in, in the fact that there are Hebrew names? Absolutely, but they go overboard that side. I call them the the other side to the uh, compromised Christian church, which are those that say, yeah, I realize we've come out of Babylon, and I don't want anything to do with Babylonian sun god worship, you know, Easter egg hunts, Christmas trees, and all this crap. And you know what? Uh, I, found, uh, I found Jesus' Hebrew name, and then they, they start saying, I'm holier than thou, you're going to hell. Folks, that's not true, number one. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And number two, they just cut off their nose to spite their face. They have forgotten the greatest commandments of all. Love your neighbor as thyself. That's what all the, the law and prophets, hang on. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first commandment. The second is unlike, is like unto it, Jesus said. Love thy neighbor as thyself. So they don't love their neighbor anymore. And what did they do? They will kill you if they could. I have seen some people that have manifested, they would have literally choked me if they could have gotten their hands on me. How dare you challenge me? I know the name of Jesus Christ in Hebrew. And they've gotten some guy who wrote uh, some crap. He didn't know what he, he was doing, and they say Jesus comes from a cow. That's bullcrap, my friends. Go do your research. You'll find it is the English transliteration of Yeshua in Hebrew. Okay? That being said, um, yeah, they're, they're probably going to hell, my friends. They don't repent. Those that will tell you you can't use the name Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, but it's true. That's probably where they're headed, because that's bullcrap. That's a doctrine from hell. Now, let me uh, give you another example. Let's look at the name John, the apostle. We all know who John was, right? He was known as the beloved disciple. Jesus loved him. In Hebrew, his name is Yohanan. In Spanish, what would you call him? you call him Juan. But I'm not Hebrew, and I'm not Spanish. I'm American. I'm going to call him John. But whether I call him John, Juan, or Yohanan, or Yohanan, I guess as they pronounce it, we we know who we're talking about, don't we? It's John, the Apostle John. I don't need to go change the name of Moses to Moshe. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Actually, the Apostle Saul, which Jesus changed his name to Paul, okay, if you lived in Italy or Mexico, they probably call you Paulo. Uh, his Hebrew name was Sh- Shaul. And there's something that would have you say, oh, you've got to call him Shaul now. That's bullcrap. Okay? You're not required to go and change the names in our English Bible back to the Hebrew names. That will only do one thing to serve as confusion. When you're preaching, you're talking about Yokanan Yochanan, or Moshi i say, who the heck is that? That's about as blunt as I can be, my friends. You understand what I'm saying to you? Okay? Just as they all have the same meaning. And if, hey, if you want to you go to Hebrew, that's fine. You want to call him Yokana, I might know what he is, but someone else won't. Okay? It's not a salvation issue. But I just use that. Remember, we don't all speak the same language. God knows that. He doesn't expect you to know Hebrew to be able to receive salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. That's ludicrous, but that's what really they're saying with that. and They're saying that uh, you're only going to get to heaven by going back to the Jewish roots. Folks, I don't agree. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, there is a great understanding of where we are in Bible prophecy by understanding the feast of the Lord, the feast of Yahweh, the feast of God. Okay. Uh, Jesus Christ came as a fulfillment of the spring feast. When he comes again, he'll be a fulfillment of the fall feast. If you want to know when he returns, it's tied into the fall feast. And he says, No man knows the day nor the hour except my Father in heaven, not even the angels. Okay? We don't even understand that in this true context, and that's because we're raised as Western Gentiles. We were not raised in the time that the Bible was written. Okay? It's not a salvation issue what I'm going to say to you, but what I'm talking about is, you know, we look at the beginning of the year to begin on January 1. That's not the way it was from beginning of time. God did not create us on a calendar of 12 months with the, f- the beginning year starting in January. That's uh, that is not the, the creator's reckoning of time. He created the year to start based on the beef of the barley and it could fluctuate as much as three months. And when the the, the house of Israel in, in in Judah, they got scattered and went into captivity. They didn't have access to the beef of the barley and they They did their best reckoning of time, and they were off by a couple hundred years. But even within the last 20 years, they've been able to get that started back. They've used NASA calculations. They've got a pretty accurate timekeeping on where we're at right now. I don't remember the date right off the top of my head. But when you understand that, it's impossible for anybody to know when the return of the Lord is because his return is, from what I'm, I'm gleaning, is going to coincide with one of the fall feasts, okay? He'll be... He'll be the fulfillment of the fall feast. And these dates change, my friends, year to year. No one knows. Only God knows. That's what it's saying. But it shouldn't come at you as a surprise. You could, you see the stork. You look in the heavens and say, oh, it's this color. It's going to rain tomorrow. That's what Jesus said, paraphrased. You should see the times and seasons. So it shouldn't come as any surprise. But that being said, okay, my friends, it's not a salvation issue. But you have to agree, really, everybody's confused. Nobody knows when the return of the Lord is, when Jesus Christ is coming. We've all got our theories. Some say they're getting out of here on a prepaid ticket before the fireworks goes off, the pre-tribbers. Some say, we'll go through some tribulation. Others say, look, I believe in persecution tribulation, but that we're not appointed to the wrath of God. And the wrath of God gets poured out, I guess, the last 45 days during the day of the Lord, before the return of Jesus Christ at the last trump. You know, I have my own belief on that. You're entitled to your own opinion. But what I want to tell you about is if he doesn't come when you think he's coming, because, again, we have been preached. I was preached that Jesus Christ could come before we got out of church. In the moment, twinkling of eye, we're gone. Folks, it's just not possible. There's certain biblical parameters that must occur. This was the doctrine of untrained, unknowledgeable man. They were just spewing out the same crap. They'd been passed down to them for generations. The rapture doctrine is only new as of the last 300 years. They didn't believe in the early church. What do I mean by that? That there's not a rapture? No, there will be a catching away at the last trump. That's the key. You go study when the last trump is, you'll have an idea when the Lord returns. But I will tell you that irregardless of that, the fact remains, millions of people have died for Christ. They were not raptured out. They would tell you you're crazy if you told them they are going to be raptured before they were put to the death. And that's just a fantasy of our mind that we're going to be out of here before persecution. Go see what Jesus said. First, there has to be a great falling away. The Antichrist must be revealed. And they will deliver you up to the death. Some of you. What's that tell you? I haven't really seen that happen in America yet. You understand what I'm saying? Therefore, Christ could not come tomorrow. Has the Antichrist revealed himself? When he does, we'll all know it, my friends. So Jesus Christ could not come back before this show's over. Do you get my drift? Come on. Let's be real. Let's go back to what the Word says and throw out these man-made doctrines. So let's see how it weighs up against Scripture. If your doctrine cannot withstand the scrutiny of the full counsel of God, then you need to chuck it out. There's something wrong in your doctrine. You can't say, well, yeah, this one scripture supports that, but then the other ones conflict. God doesn't work that way. Everything shall be established with two or more witnesses. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what I'm trying to tell you is, if go research and find out who Jesus was talking about in Matthew 23 and 24, you know, the great falling away. Look at the full counsel of God, and you're going to see the full scripture. You're going to see that there's an offense that takes place. The offense comes for for a relationship with Jesus Christ, Son of God. Offense means persecution. Many of you are going to be delivered up before synagogues and judges and rulers and asked to give an accounting. When you go up, don't give thought as to what you're going to say beforehand, because in that hour you'll be given what you need to say of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be a witness for Christ. We were called to be witnesses to testify for Jesus Christ in this last hour. And many of us are going to be given a choice. Deny Christ or get in this line to have your head cut off. Okay, my friends? That's so what happened to John the Baptist. He died. He had his head cut off. Judas committed suicide, we know. John the Revelator died on the Isle of Patmos, and the rest died terrible deaths. I think Peter was hung upside down. He didn't want to be hung right set up. He was not worthy of that, he said. Some were boiling oil. The prophets, you really want to be a prophet, my friend, be careful you call yourself a prophet because most prophets in the the Bible, they always died horrible deaths. John the Baptist, of course. Other ones were sawed in half. Others were made to lay naked in the streets, take a crap and make uh, cakes out of it to fuel the fire. Do you know what I'm talking about? Was that Ezekiel? Others were sawed in half or drawn and quartered or killed. Okay? There you go. If that's what you want to go for, go for it. That's what God has called you to do, then do it to the best of your ability. I personally don't want to be a prophet. Ah, so back on track here. Um, doctrines of devils, my friend, people are going to be offended for the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? There's not any other name which creates so much hatred among mankind than the name of Jesus Christ. So don't get duped into thinking that you've got to use this Hebrew name. If you want to call him Yeshua, you know, listen. Like I was trying to say to Doctor, brother hotelier last night, isn't Jesus Christ big enough that He can answer to whatever language I call His name, whether it be Jesus Christ because I'm American, I speak English, or if I were Hebrew, I want to call Him Yeshua. Come on, He's big enough. He looks at your heart anyway. Okay, you got a couple options here, and I don't suggest you go out and call Him Pokemon, okay, or call Him uh, Bubba. That would be a disgrace. Now come on, that's different. But Jesus Christ is the name of the Son of God. It's the English translation of Yeshua. Okay? Just as Juan, John, and Yukonan, they're all the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now I wouldn't call the apostle John, I wouldn't call him Pokemon or Shaka Zulu. Okay? Or Ricky. Come on. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? But that's the doctrine they would have you believe. That unless you use the Hebrew name, you're going to hell. I rebuke you in Jesus' name, those that would try to preach that crap. Henry Gruber said it well. He, Folks, he saw what's coming on America. He saw Russian subs surface and attack. God showed him that. Gave him a vision. And uh, he was at a revival one time, and some people came up and said, uh, Henry, we want to rebuke you. You are wrong in doing what you're doing. You need to call the Son of God Yeshua. And he rebuked him. He says, how many demons have you cast out? I've cast out plenty in Jesus' name. Get Be, be behind me, Satan. Something to that effect. He got angry. And I don't blame him. So I wasn't trying to offend anybody last night. Um, the point I wanted to make was, you're going to hear some things, and they can be proved. But you've got to take them in the full counsel of God and understand. Okay. If you're not willing to open up your your mind to the fact that um, there are some things that we need to challenge in the body of God that we haven't been taught necessarily the whole truth. And I'm not talking about salvation doctrine things. I'm talking about mainly Babylonian sun god worship that's crept into the church. But I did want to cover this thing because, you know, if you do do hear someone say Yahweh, that's fine. Okay, now you know who it is. That's God the Father. That's Jehovah. That's I Am, you know. It's between you and him what you call. Him. If someone calls the Son of God Yeshua, don't think that they've jumped off into left field. Okay, it's it's the Hebrew name of, of Jesus Christ. But I say that just so you know, but don't ever let anybody tell you that unless you speak in the Hebrew name, you're going to hell. Because that's a doctrine of demons right there. And that's where usually it comes up and it goes. And again, I have people kick me off of the networks, basically. They forbid me to come on because I would not uh, cease using the name of Jesus Christ, okay? And I wanted to tell you where that goes. It gets into legalism. It gets into heresy. It'll cause you to doubt that you're even saved. Well, must, must something be wrong with me because I, I don't speak the name of Yeshua. That's bullcrap. Do you understand what I'm saying,
3: Randall?
1: is getting in here kind of late. Set the captives free. I am not a heretic, and uh, I ask that you forgive me for not taking Brother Holtzelser to task on that last night. Okay, he means well. He actually fell into the trap, and I love Brother Holtzelser. I'm going to work with him, try to get him back, because he's a powerful man of God, cast up many de- demons in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's what happens. You start to examine the church, and you say, well, wait a minute, we've got a sloppy grace. I mean, we've got this grace which says, just accept the name of Jesus and then live like the world. Folks, that's wrong. Okay, we're to be held to a higher standard. And if you start really analyzing a lot of things we do, and it'll be the world a lot of times illuminate. They'll say, you know, you say you're a Christian, but, which may say, but did you know that you're worshiping our high Sabbath, which is Halloween, All Hallows' Eve? And you really stop to think, well, that is kind of interesting. I've just been trick-or-treating my whole life. What does it really mean? And then you go find the meaning, and you say, well, how did that creep in the church? How is it that we're having Halloween parties? You see what I'm saying? You realize, well, we do have some doctrine that's not right. It really, it shouldn't be that way. And, you know, if you don't confront these things, it's a slippery slope. First thing you're doing is you let your kids go out and trick or treat, okay? Then you say, oh, it's okay. There's no harm. They're just getting candy. Then you probably have let them go to Harry Potter, and they came back, and now they are, they've actually cursed themselves, okay, because that's witchcraft. We are not to learn of other gods nor learn of their practices. And if you touch witchcraft, you're going to be cursed. So the point I'm trying to make here is some of these things can have a really detrimental effect on you. And my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So do you really want your kids studying to become a witch or a warlock? But yet that's what we do, and we call ourselves Christians. And we act like we have discernment. You don't have any discernment if you're doing that, my friends. If you're not checking where your kid is going when you give him 20 bucks to go to the mall, watch out. If you turn them into a match-key kid, they're going to probably end up pregnant. We were called to train up a child in the way he should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. But we've got an epidemic of uh, teenage abortions, drug use. Oh, yeah, my, my child, you know, he's not doing good, so we've got him on uh, Xanax and Prozac. And You understand where I'm going, my friends? This should not be. And if you start looking at some of the things, you say, yeah, we are in error. Well, what else is in error? There's not a salvation doctrine if you do Halloween, no, but you probably tainted yourself with some witchcraft, and don't be surprised if you need deliverance. I used to do it. used to have fun. But I will tell you that I went down to the post office the other day, and I went in, and right next door to the post office, a big sign that says Spirit of Halloween, with this angel of death on the front door. I didn't even step foot in there. I knew there was demons in there. And I saw people going in and out, and they just had no idea they came out with a demon. We're not supposed to be glorifying Satan in the occult, my friends, and getting in that ritual. You want to know what Halloween is? Go look it up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Christmas. Do you know the origin of that? Go look up. Google this now. Saul Invictus in Wikipedia. There is a man who has a birthday on December 25th, okay? His name is Saul Invictus. You can see pictures of him. He has a halo, and if you looked at him, you'd say, that's Jesus Christ. Well, nobody knows what he looks like, number one, my friends. We, don't, we didn't have Polaroids back then. We've got a description in the Word of God. You know, he was an average man. He wasn't a real handsome man. He was kind of common, and he probably had a big nose. He was Hebrew, and the point is, is he doesn't look like the, the pictures portray him to be, but we've said, yeah, he was born December 25th, and even if you said, yeah, I, I really want to celebrate the birth of Christ, Oh, we really don't know the birth. It was probably during the Feast of Tabernacles. But what do we What we do do is we say, man, I really, it's not about Christ anyway. It's just about Santa Claus, Satan's Claus, <laughs> and giving gifts. And it's about a spirit of greed. So some of us have come up a little bit and we've said, okay, well, you know what? We're putting ourselves in the dead every Christmas. What's the, what's the reason for the season? Let's celebrate Jesus Christ. Well, that's a little better, my friends, but... You've got to look at where December 25th came from. And when you look at that, you realize what the origin is of the tree. They would pull a tree out of the woods. They'd hammer it down with nails. They'd decorate it with silver and gold. You know, they the, 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 the decorate it with the tinsel. They would usually put a phallic symbol up at the top. And uh, what they'll do is they'd have balls. Those are actual... What do you, where do you think the balls came from? You know those are testicles of a bull god? believe it's Horus. Go look at that. And the Bible actually commands that we're not to do that. That's a pagan practice. And people did pagan practice in the old days. They were cursed of God. Now, at one time God winked at ignorance. But, folks, he doesn't wink at it anymore. We have an obligation to go search out the scriptures and see if what we hold to be true is true. Go look at it. It is pagan, my friend. Okay, It has demonic origins. December 25th was not the day Jesus Christ was born. It was the day that Saul Invictus was born, and where did all this came from? It actually came out of uh, Constantine, who was a pagan emperor. He was no more converted to Christianity than man on the moon. He had his um, his wife and his son put to death. Okay, and he saw a vision of the cross, but it wasn't the cross as we know it. It was a pagan symbol, probably the Ankh. And the point is, is uh, he did. Uh, unite the whole known world at that time that was under his control. He united the Jews with the pagans, with the Christians. And one of the first things he did was he changed the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not the day you necessarily worship God. It's just a day of rest. God created for man to rest. The seventh day you shall rest. He changed it from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night, which is a 24-hour period, to what is now known as Sunday, in, word, in commemoration of the sun god, Saul Invictus. Where do you think the word Sunday came from? S-U-N. It's worship of the sun. It's a pagan It's a pagan name. God never even gave the, the days of the week names. You know, he, he called them the first day, second day. It, you know, it's, it's come in out of pagan tradition. Okay? And this stuff even goes back further. It goes back to the Tower of Babylon Nimrod. That's where all this stuff had its occultic roots. You know, you had Osiris and you had Tammuz, the worship of Tammuz. You had a, a case of the, the son having sex with his mother. Um, then the baby was the reincarnated husband. She lands in, Osiris lands in the river Euphrates as an eggling rabbit. Boom, there you go. There's our Easter egg hunts. And Ezekiel went outside, I believe it was Ezekiel It talks about, he went outside the, the city wall in Jerusalem, and the women were weeping of Tammuz and they were baking the cakes. And what they were doing is they had a, uh, an idol, uh, they had a, excuse me, they had a, a pagan cave over there, which is still there, by the way. You could go down into it, and that's where they would do sacrifice. They would take a child, they'd take your infant, and they would kill him. He's dead now. They drain his blood, and they would dip eggs in the blood, and that was part of their sacrifice to the sun god. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Where in the Bible does it mention that we're to have a eggling rabbit, and the kids on the Easter are to go out and hunt for rabbit's eggs. We used to do them in my church. I remember one time I think I want a rabbit, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. It's a pagan practice, my friends. It shouldn't be. It has nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, Easter is a pagan goddess. Yet we haven't gotten that out of our vocabulary. You want to call it Resurrection Day? That's fine. But then you need to go and do the calculation. Jesus said, the only sign that I will give is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the will, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights. I'm paraphrasing. Go do your calculation. There is no there is no Good Friday. Good Friday and the fish comes out of the Roman Catholic Church, and it's worship of the fish god Dagon. Okay? Uh, you, could, you can get many of... Books on, you know, how the pagan traditions crept into the church, how the the naming of our modern day months, days of the week, they're all after fallen gods and and demonic spirits, demonic gods. What am I saying here? It's just part of ingrained in our culture. Am I telling you to dispense with the names of the week? No, I'm not saying that. I just want you to know how it's crept into the, the church, okay? That's what I'm talking about. It should not be that we're having our kids chase for Easter egg, eggs. What we're actually doing is glorifying uh, child sacrifice. We should not uh, be bringing a, a cultic tree into our house or into our churches. They'll bring them in there. Do you remember that? you ever have a church where everybody would bring gifts and give them out? Not to mention, look at all the financial drain it puts on people that have to give gifts. Now, I'm forgiving, okay? And I love I the, the season. I think it's a great time of fellowship and great food. And I enjoy taking time off. I'm not trying to kill all that. I'm just trying to tell you that we got we got to remove out of the midst of Babylon, my friends. Become ye a separate people. We're not supposed to be in these pagan traditions. The world's in them. We're supposed to be different. So we talked about Christmas. Uh, you know the steeples on the church? Do you know that they're erect penises? Now, I'm using an anatomy. I'm not using a, por- a porno term, but I'm talking about they are erect phallic symbols for those of you who don't know what a phallus symbol is we've got one that's exactly 666 feet it has actual occultic meaning, it's called the Washington Monument if you take the, from the top to the total base of it that goes on the ground and I've been up in there, I used to live in D.C. 666 feet, there's a reason for that okay, even uh, if I'm not mistaken D.C. is laid out like a pentagram okay, there's occultic symbology behind that you understand what I'm saying here so I hear an amen out there Okay, and so you'll see these steeples, and uh, what they are is they're phallic symbols. You go over to um, the Vatican City, they're supposed to have this, they have an obelisk over there, which is also another term for a phallic symbol, like the the Washington Monument, okay? Like the steeples. That's supposed to be where uh, the apostle Peter was buried. Folks, we really don't know where he's at. No one's ever been able to conclude that. He's dead, he's buried somewhere. He died apparently over in Rome, but... He wasn't necessarily buried there, but I can tell you one thing that is significant about that spot: is that obelisk was brought over from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was brought over from Babylon or Egypt, and uh, it is a demonic um, obelisk. Okay, it's a, it's a an erect penis is what it is. And the Catholic Church will tell you that the the Pope, the Vicar of Christ, he has the authority to change the time and seasons at will. They even say that in their documents, that he's the first, that Constantinople was, me, was the first pope, and uh, basically you either kept his new Sabbath or you died. That was a penalty of death.
2: Okay? Well,
1: the Catholics will basically kill you as well by cursing you to excommunicate you if you don't agree with them. If you're excommunicated in the Catholic Church, that means you're going to hell. And by the way, if you're not a Catholic, you're going to hell. Folks, it should not be. They have you pray to a um, a dead lady named Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yes, I, 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 you know, praise God, she was a good woman. But there's nowhere that anywhere in the Word it says we're to pray to any dead man. We don't pray to a dead man. Jesus Christ is not dead; he's as alive as you and I. Seated at the right hand of the Father. We are not to pray. We are not to go say ten Hail Marys and go over there and count the rosary beads. Folks, that's works, my friend. And that's demonic works at death. Your priest cannot pardon you of your sins. It does say confess your sins one to another. But he doesn't have the right to forgive you. There's only one that can forgive. And that's the Father in Heaven. And you can only get to the Father in Heaven, Father God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only propitiation for our sins. When you repent and If you have not forgiven someone else that you've hurt or have ought against, you will not be forgiven. So there is a conditional there. To be forgiven, you must forgive. You don't take your gift to the altar and then get there and realize that there's someone you haven't forgiven. First you go reconcile with your brother. Then you come back and give your gift to the altar, and God will take it. There's also that scripture. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, but what they would have us do, they would have us pray to dead saints... Anybody can be a saint after a a certain amount of time goes by, just like your star in Hollywood. That's really what it's about. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, you you can pay, uh, what are they called, indulgences? Anybody out there know the word I'm looking for? You know, you could rape a child. You could uh, commit adultery You know, if you pay enough money to the Pope. My friends, it should not be. And um, we haven't seen the last of the Catholic Church. They're leading people to hell. They really don't believe in hell, by the way. They believe that you die, you'll go in purgatory, and then you you can pray and pay your way for your relative to make it. Come on, that's that's, that's a lie from the pits of hell. You leave the spot and you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will bust hell wide open one day, my friends. You'll go there to to prison right now, and then you'll be tossed into the lake of fire. Do I hear an amen out there? Are you with me so far? Am I here just to... uh, single out the Catholic Church? No. If you're a Mormon and you believe that uh, there's another book of God called the uh, the Book of Mormon by a polygamist named Joseph Smith, and that you believe you can get to heaven through him, you're going to hell, my friends. You want to know what the the Mormons believe? They believe that um, you're going to have as many wives as you want in, in the world to come. Come on, my friends. Doctrines of demons. It's a shame, but it's true. Okay and on and on we can go. So yes, Babylon infiltrated the church. What's the point of this? Is it a salvation doctrine about the the Christmas tree or the Easter eggs? No, but you shouldn't be keeping those practices. You should get them out of your life. Repent, and don't do them no more. Now that you know the truth, if you keep doing them, then you're in compromise. And that's where exactly the American church is. They're in compromise. Now, am I going to cut off the legs of the compromised church and I mean, uh, the the other side, which, you know, ha- has already come to this knowledge, but they go to the extreme. No, because let me explain something to you. We both missed it. Both sides have missed it. Mainstream church will uh, throw out what we're talking about right now. Or they, they're not interested in it, or they say, to the heck with you. I'm going to keep having my Easter egg hunts and my Christmas trees and my Good Friday and my Lent and all these rituals of men that come out of pagan practices. I'm going to have my... Uh, my wreath over my door, all this stuff. And then you've got the other side, which says, you know what? I do believe what you're saying, Shannon. And you know what? This group over here says that I now need to wear a tallit. I need to only use the Hebrew name of God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. I had to call Him Yahweh and Yeshua. While I don't deny that's their Hebrew name, as I've already mentioned in a previous episode, Jesus Christ is the English name for the Hebrew name. It has the same power. Okay, I don't know Hebrew, so I'm going to say Jesus Christ. Okay, don't tell me if I say Jesus Christ, I'm going to hell. That's what they will tell you, folks. They miss it right there. You know, they have a zeal for the truth, and they don't like compromise. It. You, you'll see them get animated, animated, and that would be fine if they stopped there and they said, you know, there should be no compromise in the church. But then they take it overboard and they take it to the name of Jesus Christ, and they say the name Jesus Christ is uh, is nothing, is nothing is what they'll tell you, or it comes from a, a cow. Folks, that's a doctrine of demon. And then on top of all that, not only are they wrong, but they'll kill you if you don't agree with them. That's really what they would do. And what it is, it's a demonic spirit of legalism, of uh, elitism, of spiritual pride, of just false doctrine that rises up in there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so so far I've, I've covered the issue of the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ. Where I stand on that, uh, I worship my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray to Father God. Sometimes I call Him Yahweh. That's my right. I know His name, or you can call Him I Am, or you can call Him, uh, you know, the Father. It's up to you. It's not a salvation doctrine. Uh, I've talked a little bit about pagan traditions. That's just some of them. Um, it should not be, my friends. Hell, do I believe in a literal hell? Well, there's some people that apparently don't. I do. Are you kidding me? When the spirit leaves the body, you either you're going to be in the presence of God, as Paul said, or you're going to be in hell. Okay, waiting judgment day, where you'll give an accounting for every idle word, and then ultimately your life is going to be played back, probably on a big screen. Something better than HD, I'm sure. And you'll be cast into hell if you do not accept Jesus Christ. It's plain and simple like that. Your choice. You understand me? Okay. I do believe in hell. And I don't believe in purgatory. You either have got Christ or you don't when you step out of this body. Then there's no more time, my friends. God's a loving God. He doesn't want you to go to hell. But God will let you make a choice to go to hell if... You want to deny His Son Jesus Christ, okay? I think I've covered that. Again, I on one hand I understand the groups that you know get angry at the lazy, backslidden church, you know, who don't want to even talk about what we're talking about and just say I can do anything I want to do. Put it all into the category of grace, my friends. God is the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Let me uh, let me go back and get that verse. I want to read this to you. Uh, For I am Yahweh; I change not. That's Malachi three. God doesn't change, my friends. He never has. He hasn't changed his time or seasons. Okay, he hasn't changed his reckoning of time. He knows what time it is. Okay, and it's later than most of us think. And there's nothing I can stand. I can't stand more than the person says. Yeah, I've read the whole Bible, and I've written a complete book on Revelation decoded. I know it all. Folks, they're deceiving themselves and deceiving you. We've got to study to show ourselves approved. No man has the whole truth of the re- when the return of the Lord is. We've got some best guesstimates. I think some of them are pretty close. But certain things got to happen. And, you know, God has delayed his judgment before. It will ultimately happen. He did delay judgment on Nineveh 40 years when Jonah preached, but then ultimately it was judged. They fell 40 years later. Do You understand what I'm saying here? We've got to have balance, okay? We've got to rightly divide the word of truth. We've got to take our heated emotions out of it and love one another because you may have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, then you've just lost it, man. You cut your nose off despite your face. And that's what a lot of these people do. Uh, you know, I was going to give you a, a sarcastic example. but I think maybe I made my example there. You understand what I'm saying? Let me, cover, uh, let me cover two more hot issues. Let me just tell you where I stand. The rapture of the church. I said, again, I have my own opinion on that. The way I read it, and I have read the Bible, and I can, I've read the New Testament like three or four more times, and I've just scratched the surface. I'm learning. I don't have it all figured out. But I believe that persecution is coming. Now, the reason I tell you this is because I don't want you to be part of the great falling away. In the mainstream, the church is being set up for that. Okay? They're being set up to believe that they're getting out of here without any trouble. And that's not what the Scripture says. We are, to, we will be persecuted. Okay? Count yourself blessed when you're persecuted for Jesus Christ's name. For great your reward shall be. If you understand that we've got a, a tough road to haul before we get out of here, then when these things come, it's not going to come on you as a thief in the night. That's what the meaning was. It's not going to surprise you. You're not going to be offended. Offended would be... You know, you just wake up and all of a sudden you're being dragged out to jail, and you say, What do you mean? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, we've got your name on the list. It, executive order, you're a terrorist. We must take you to jail. Well, but, well, but wait! And it would be offended. If you know that that is a possibility, and it will be a possibility, then if that time were to come, you know, you're ready for it. You're prepared to die for Christ if necessary. Many of us will. The mainstream church is is being set up for deception and to fall away. And for that reason, I I keep harping on this because I believe it's right at the door, my friends. And what's going to happen is people who are not true Christians to begin with, they were lukewarm Christians sitting on the fence, in compromise. They don't want to hear things like we're talking about tonight, like we've got one foot in Babylon, sun god worship. What happens is uh, they don't seek the deeper things of God, and what's going to happen is they're going to fall away. They're going to deny Christ, to save their own skins, and then they're going to turn on you and I. And where do you think most of the persecution is going to come? It's going to come from your fellow believers, my friend, the ones that were lukewarm. that were only in here for what they could get from God. They played God like a lottery. Do I hear an amen on that? Do I believe in um, the blessings of God? Absolutely I do. Don't get me wrong. I believe in the blessings of God. I've been blessed in my own life at various and sundry times. I've also had nothing. Uh, I know that uh, God gives increases. God owns all the, the gold and the silver. He can exalt you and he can bring you low. If you want to be brought high, then you've got to get low in this hour. God wants to bless his people. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. He wants us to have joy, peace and love and joy. He wants us to have be able to sleep in the midst of uh, a riot going on outside. And all this is available. We've got to learn to enter into his rest. That's the key because we're not going to be able to control what's coming on this planet. It's going to come. Wars, rumors of wars, terrorist strikes, nuclear, biological, chemical attack. I'm sure MPs, rape, pillaging, cannibalism, extreme heat, drought, plagues, antichrist, foreign troops, persecution, tribulation, it's coming. Now, that's not the wrath of God. That's the persecution and tribulation as a result of what mankind has allowed himself to be demonized with. That comes from men. Okay, God doesn't persecute and tribulate. Now, he does have his wrath, and we're not appointed to that. And he will protect us in that time if we're still alive. But the way I read it, men are as scarce as the gold of Ophir. That was pretty scarce gold. It was like the best goal. Most people will be dead. There will be some that will survive. I don't know if you'd really want to survive in that time. Like one guy said, you know, God is already taking people out of this world right now. He's trying to spare them because, you know, they've, they've served him. Maybe that's a reward, actually. they not have to live through those times. But there's some that God has created for this hour, okay, that uh, he, he believes that uh, you and I have potential to do exploits for him. And we're going to be faithful to our end, whatever that is. But you've got to avoid some pitfalls along the way. Okay? So I'm going to touch on another trigger point. I talk on so many things, my friends. Uh, I'm going to offend somebody. I can't help offending them, but I have much to preach the truth. Okay? There's going to be those that fall away. We know about that. You don't want to be in those dead group because they're not coming back, most likely. They're going to bust hell wide open. When you fall away, they backslide because of the persecution. They deny Christ. It's over with. Jesus Christ will deny you. There's going to be those that go into the camps. He that is meant to go, meant for captivity, into captivity he shall go. If we haven't learned our lesson, we're not uh, seeking God with all our heart. We're not saying, God, I'm willing to sacrifice and surrender all to you. It's not about living my best in life now or being the best that I can be. You know, from one of those. The televangelists, you see, and they've got the little pose with their chin on their hand. You know, they've kind of got their head cocked a little bit, and they kind of look like a model pose. Come on, my friends. So I what Jesus came for. He came for servants that would lay down their lives and say, I'm willing to give up my finite amount of time down here in exchange for eternity with the Father. We are called to be servants, and the servant must follow the Master to the cross. We've got to crucify and kill our flesh. We've got to surrender everything to Jesus Christ. And if we're not doing that now, and we're not getting busy, we're not working for the Lord, chances are, hey, we haven't woken up to the fact of uh, what our job is, and we may be required to lay our lives down. Now, You may have done everything that I mentioned. You may, may have a great ministry and still go to the camps. Only God knows. But I believe if you have a chance of being spared, then it's going to be the people that are awake right now. And if God says move, then you move. Okay, God can tell you when to move. He can protect you in plain sight. And if you're chosen to go to the camp, so then you die, uh, die with your, uh, die looking up to heaven because that's where you're going to be in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, as they take your head off, and you have a martyr's reward. We don't really understand the the gravity of the rewards yet. I believe it's got to be more than just a crown. It may be something that you can enjoy for all eternity. I don't know, I'd, I'd have much fun with just a crown anyway. There's got to be more to that. You know, right now we look through a, a glass dark but little bit. Soon we'll, we'll see face-to-face. We don't understand everything right now. But, you know, it says that he has prepared a place for us that I'm paraphrasing, that, uh, you know, we couldn't even fathom right now. So there is a big reward there to make it. Um, so you don't want to go to the camps if you can avoid that, because Revelations 2 says you'll lose your head. Now, you tell the mainstream church like this, They want to throw you under the bus. How dare you tell me that I might have to give my life for Christ? How dare you tell me that he didn't come to make me a millionaire? I've already mentioned that uh, if all you're seeking for is riches, that puts you in a very compromising spot. Chances are you're not going to make it into heaven, my friends, because most rich men don't. It's very difficult to get in. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That meant they had to get down on their knees and kick... Camels are very stubborn, and they'll spit at you, and they'll bite you. They're just very disobedient. They don't like to be told what to do, and they don't want to be told to get down on their knees. That's a humbling experience for a camel. Uh, I can tell you that uh, that's the gospel that's being preached. It's called the gospel of Judas. They sold out Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver, and, and you can too. It's not about the blood of Jesus. It's about the blessings of God. It's not about sacrificing your life for Christ or giving to the poor, the widows, the orphans, or Israel. It's about heaping it up on yourself, material treasure. Like the man that said, Oh, soul, you've done well. Now I'm going to have to tear down these barns and build another one. Jesus said, This day your soul will be required of you. Your your spirits about to leave the body and you can be judged. Not to mention, my friends, it's all about to be taken away from us anyway. Do you think really that the New World Order is going to let you and I keep wealth? No, my friends, they're going to take it away. That's what they did to the Jews. They came and stripped them of their wealth, They even took the gold teeth out of their mouth. If, you're, if you've got stuff, they'll call it hoarding, okay? You'll be on a, uh, a pickup list, if you don't have the protection of God, they'll take it, they'll strip you down of everything, and you and I are going to be a made example. Okay, we're persona non grata in the days to come, if you're a Christian. It doesn't mean that God can't spare you, and he will spare some. But we've got to be able to hear him clearly. Do uh, so I hear an amen out there. So I want to tell people that you want, to be, you want to be wary. You don't want to go down the path seeking for riches. You may not be able to get into the gate, my friends. Straight as the gate narrows away, and few be that enter therein. What else is an option? He that picks up the sword. He that lives by the sword will die by the sword. Modern translation is your 308, your AR-15, your Glock 9mm, your Gold Cup. You've got 20,000 rounds of ammo, and what you're going to do is you're going to fight the new world order. How dare they come and take me and kick me out of my home, put me in a concentration camp. Folks, God is sending it on America. He's going to weed rebellion out of the church, and he does it through adversity. He'll he'll allow the persecution of men, okay, as his fire, fire of adversity, we're going to be sent through the fire. He's going to find out what came out the other side. Are we pure? Because we can't enter into heaven with impurity. Or did we get burned up like chaff? Now, if we know Jesus Christ, even if we did, did no works down here, you know, We'll be tried as fire, and we'll get in with maybe the smell of smoke on us, okay? With no reward. You'll lose your reward, but you could be saved if you accepted Christ and died, but did nothing with your life. I don't want to go spend eternity with no reward. That's a long time. And the point is, is God's going to weed rebellion out of the church. There are people that call themselves Christian patriots. I was one of them. They're hiding, or they will be going into hiding at some point, and they're ready to take on the uh, the Mexican troops that are going to invade The Russian-Canadian-Polish troops that will be paratrooping in Red Dawn style. Large portions of the military that have been brought back on rotation from Iraq. They're going to be used in house-to-house search and seizure, like back during Katrina. And they are are going to ban guns at some point in time. They have to. It's inevitable. It'll probably be a patriot or someone, uh, you know, maybe a, a false flag operation, maybe a government agent trying to do a setup situation, maybe during a tea party. They're going to take out probably some politician, and then they're going to go on a gun-feeding frenzy, and we're all going to lose our right to bear arms. I believe in protecting my family. I have many. That's my Second Amendment right. But I also am not stupid to understand that when the time comes and Babylon is under siege, America, Babylon, and our the, the people have entered into our land through the borders, and they raise up a hand up in the air like a shot like a bunch of caterpillars It talks about invading the land. And it's like the movie Machete, except different nationalities wanting to hack you apart. Okay? Um, there's going to be a lot of people angry with that. They're going to want to take up arms, and the government's going to step in, and they're going to bring in uh, NORTHCOM, which is a contingent of Canadian and American troops, and you know this stuff's been on the books since Clinton's Clinton's era at least my friends they have provisions to bring in foreign troops. We actually did them during Katrina. Did you know that? We've got them here on the soil now. I saw a Russian at the post office the other day. there's German Luftwaffe bases here in America. There are places that sovereign German soil here on American soil and i'm not uh I'm not prejudiced in the least. okay, my son is Mexican. I'm married to a Colombian. I have niece and nephews at uh are Vietnamese, and I have a grandson who's black. So don't anybody ever dare call Omega Man racist, okay? Are we clear on that? I'm not racist. You can't go to heaven and be a racist. That's a demonic spirit that enters into people. God is no respecter of color or personage. If you're dealing with someone who's racist, they have a demonic spirit that needs to come out. It's a racist spirit. That's what it is. My point is, though, America is going to self-destruct. And there's going to be groups that are going to take up arms. And just like um, there was rebellion in Jesus' time, you know, I'm sure some said, Jesus, are you the the king that's going to help us revolt against Rome? That wasn't what he, he came for, my friends. That's not what he's coming for this time. We're not to take back this land. The land is gone. The country is gone, my friends. I'm sad to give you this report if it's the first time you're hearing it. And uh, you don't want to pick up the sword because you'll die by the sword. Uh, I guess I don't need to say any more on that. You have a right to defend yourself against a thug during a civil riot. Someone wants to rape you still. But when the government or military troops are and put us under martial law, it's over with, my friends. If they tell you you've got to give up the guns, and you give them up. Okay, we either have angelic protection or we don't. Okay, you're not to rely on the arm of the flesh in this hour. You're to rely on God He will protect you and I. It says a nuke you know basically a thousand died you left hand, ten thousand right, but nothing shall come nigh to you, I believe it goes like that. A nuclear bomb could go off down the road and you can be protected if you're in the center of God's will at that time. Or God might just have you go up in a in a split second, you know, be translated up. I don't think we're gonna really want to be here till the end anyway. But um that's my point, okay? You don't want to pick up the sword, you'll die. There's only one way out of this thing, my friends. Okay? That's the patience and the faith of the saints. That's to be patient during times of offense and tribulation, persecution, and keep the faith at all cost. If you'll keep the faith to whatever your end is and do not deny Jesus Christ, you're going to make it. You might die. There are also some that will not die. They will be alive to see Jesus return at the last trump. And I don't know if that's just those that are hidden over in Petra, that go up the King's Highway, during that time where it says, don't look back to take anything, you know, woe if your flight be off on the Sabbath. You know, that's a geographical prophecy for those that are in Israel at that time, over in Jerusalem area, as they're being overrun. But I do believe God will have safe cities, maybe refuges around the, the world. I believe he could protect you. Uh, there'll be some that will be witnesses of his return at the last trump if we get out of here wrong and if early and i'm wrong about the timing of the return of Jesus Christ well so be it that's a good thing then i look at that as gravy okay but if you're relying on that and it doesn't happen when you thought it was going to happen or when you were preached it was going to happen by your pastor then you know yeah my bottom line is as long as you're understand that uh, you've been here for the long haul, then you're not going to be offended. If you're not ready for that, then you're going to be offended, and you're going to fall away. It's plain and simple like that, okay? He that seeks to save his life will lose, but he that will lose his life for my sake will save it. Watch and pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. Okay? God could take you out of here. He could give you a heart attack. He just dies peacefully. He could translate you, I guess, if he wanted to, like Enoch. Or he could preserve you somewhere until the return of Jesus Christ at the last trump. That is possible. It clearly says that. Okay. Uh, I wanted to cover that point here because uh, people continue to preach the false rapture doctrine that we're going to get out of here prior to persecution. The rapture cannot happen until certain things happen. So let's just get that straight. Settle that in your mind now, and you've got at least a fighting chance to survive the great falling away, which is one of the biggest traps that you want to sidestep in this hour. Was there anything else I wanted to cover? Yeah. And then I'm going to go to open lines. Tithing. Is tithing for today? Well, you know, I'm not an expert on that. But I do believe giving is for today. Giving, yes. Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, some scholars cite that since the account of Abr- Abram, which was has his name changed to Abraham, giving tithe To the high priest, you know, he he actually gave tithes to Melchizedek. You know, it occurred before the law was even given to Moses at Biblical Mount Sinai, right? That the tithe is not part of the Mosaic law and therefore it's still relevant for today. That's something to think about. Again, tithing predated the law. People say, We're not under the law. Okay? We're not under the law for salvation purposes. And you take all the law and the prophets and you hang it on one thing, it's about how to interact with men. It's about how to love have love for your neighbor. There are still some things here that may not be salvation issues, but it could determine if you die quicker than me. Okay? There's some foods that God said I didn't create for you to eat. Yeah, you can eat anything, and if something put in your in front of you, you know, you can say grace and you know, sanctify everything with the word and prayer. The word and prayer. What's the word say about what you're eating? It may be a health issue. It, it could mean that you don't get to uh, to live as long as God intended for you on this earth if you decide to eat certain undesirable foods, like you know some some of the uh, the trash collectors that live on the bottom of the ocean. They taste good, don't they? Lobster and crabs and shrimp. But you know what they are? They filter the the pee and the urine and the crap excrement coming out of the fish, and they eat the doo-doo? And they eat the dead carcasses on the bottom of the the sea, and we love our we love our crabs and shrimp and lobster. They do taste good, though. And our pork, you know, the pork was not invented for us to eat, my friends. You cannot sanctify a pig, no matter how much you try. A pig is going to be a pig. It has no sweat glands. It dies early if it wasn't butchered to be eaten, and it holds all the toxins inside. It carries trichinosis and. All types of horrible things. Will you go over to hell for eating pork? No, I didn't say that. Will you die faster than me if you eat it? When God said don't eat it, you probably will. Most Americans look like big fat hogs. They start to take the shape of what they eat, especially down here in Georgia. They love their pork down here. I was raised on ham sandwiches. not a salvation doctrine. But I'm saying there's some wisdom there. Some things were not meant to eat, my friends. That's what my standing is on that. I love pepperoni pizza, but I, I try to, to avoid it if I can. You know, every once in a while I'll slip up and eat something like that. I'm not going to hell for it, but clearly, you know, God wanted us to take care of the temples of God that he gave us, the Holy Spirit. That's what our bodies are supposed to be. Yeah, we say, oh, we can eat anything we want. I, I don't have to worry about any of that. But tithing, is it for today? Well, how did I get off on pork? That's, that's one school of thought, is actually tithing predated even the law of Moses. So the fact that it's under the law, and we're not under the law today, really doesn't hold any water if you, if you were to take that. But I'm not going to get so caught, tied up on the issue of tithes. How about just giving? What's the New Testament say about it? Second Corinthians 9.7 talks about giving cheerfully. Second Corinthians 8.3 encourages giving what you can afford. First Corinthians 6.2 discusses giving weekly. Okay, although this is a saved amount for Jerusalem, okay. First Timothy 5.18 exhorts supporting the financial needs of the Christian workers. It does say a workman is worth his hire. Acts 11.29 promotes feeding the hungry wherever they may be. James one twenty seven states that pure religion has helped the widows and the orphans. God says, if you feed the poor, you have lent to me and I will repay. All right? There's also a Curse that God will rebuke over your life, which is the devourer, over Malachi 3. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have ye we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground; neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time of the field," saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed. Genesis twelve three says, "If you bless my people, I'll bless you." That's still in effect. God will bless you, and He will curse you if you start coming against Israel and His people. You understand what I'm saying? Now, whether you want to call it tithes or offerings, I will tell you this: that I've, I've heard of wicked, worldly people that didn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior using that cuz the universal law God will perform his word. He didn't say you had to know Jesus Christ in order to get that blessing in that particular case. There's a guy owned either Pepsi or Colgate and he gave and he gave and he started out with 20%. And there was one guy who got up to like he was giving 70% of his income to the work of God. You know, he was helping the widows, the orphans. You know, probably was even blessing Israel. And he he, he couldn't spend all the money he was making. I will tell you that uh, we may not be under the law of tithing in the general sense, but we are to give. We are to. Jesus says, you know, he's talking about how you know you did not visit me in jail, you did not visit me when I was sick, you did not give me a cup of water, you did not feed me. But when did we do that, and Lord? He says, any time you didn't do it to one of these other little ones. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that. There's a clear biblical precedent of giving. And God loves a cheerful giver, and the people that will say, "Well, tithing, you know, is not biblical." They're the same people that they probably don't even give, and they're greedy, my friends. They have a spirit of greed. God only asks for ten percent, even if that is not in effect today. You're still to give. Okay, given it shall be given unto you. It's just a, a cop out for stingy Christians who don't want to give to the widows, the poor, those in disaster, and bless Israel. Now, I will temper that, what I just said, with the fact that I do not believe that you should just give willy-nilly, because it also says in Proverbs, I'm talking taking the whole counsel of God, that's what we're doing tonight. If you give to the rich man, don't expect anything back. I'm paraphrasing that. Okay, you don't give to the rich man. Okay, you give to those that are in need. You don't just send your money to one of the millionaire televangelists on the air. Number one, they're not going to show you where they're sending the money. They wouldn't even show it to that senator who asked for them in most cases. Some of them did. But if you ask for a copy of their books right now, which you should be able to get if you're supporting any of the big-name televangelists, they won't give them to you. Now, will they? What are they trying to hide? The fact that they just added another aircraft? They, they bought a $20,000 marble seat for their airplane? The fact that they're regularly going on vacations, spending ten thousand dollars a night, that they bought another Rolex or a, you know gold encrusted presidential, or they just put a new wing on their their home, folks, these are the same people that cry and say, "Oh, send me a million dollars, or I can't do the work of the Lord." They shouldn't get anything, and then they'll go off the air. They can't fleece the sheep anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you don't give. Absolutely, you give, but I'm saying. Check out, scrutinize where you're giving, make sure that they're accountable, and that it's getting to the person that needs it. They're feeding the poor. They're helping the widows, okay? They're blessing Israel. And I've got some, uh, some that I have b- tied into over the years, and I will give you some of my top picks if you're interested, that I've scrutinized. We're to be good stewards. We're to put seed into good ground. Otherwise, don't expect anything back. You won't reap a harvest. You might reap the whirlwind of nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? But to these people that would say, tithing's not for today, ask them, What are you giving? Folks are just stingy. That's just a stingy cop. And I'm just saying, telling you the truth. I want to tell you something, my friend. I gave up the 10% tithes and another 10% for offering, and God blessed me beyond belief. I was able to do a lot of things for the Lord. Praise God. Because now I can look back when I have nothing, and I can say, well, like one prophet said, he said, God keeps good books, my friend. Yeah, I've got some reward awaiting me in heaven. Maybe I die in a mobile home, I don't know. But I did do something. I wasn't stingy. You can't take your money with you, my friends. What are you going to do with it? Give it to God. God cannot fail or lie. If God says it's going to happen, if you feed the poor, he'll feed you in hard times. If you've been stingy, okay? Why should God do anything for you, my friend? What if you were to come back and say, yeah, you had, but you, you still don't that word. It says, oh, tithing's not for today. I, that's under the law. What if God were to tell you, well, then, hey, uh, go on a, go on a uh, 40-day fast, my friend? The point I'm trying to make here is tithing is, in my opinion, still in effect. Uh, If you want to call it giving, whatever you want to do, I do believe that it's between you and God Uh, where you're going to give it. Definitely check out where you're going to pay and test God and see if that's still not in effect, my friends. Everybody that I know that is tithed, they've had an abundance, okay? And the people that get into trouble are those that stop tithing to God. Stop giving to God. Okay, God's not obligated to bless you if you're not willing to. Feed the widows and the orphans and the poor, and bless Israel. You want to start cursing Israel? You're going to have a curse in your head. Genesis twelve three is still in effect, my friends. The word of God will stand when the world's on fire. Not not one jot nor one tittle shall anywise pass from the law until all these things be fulfilled. Maybe they're spiritual at this point in time, but back to the issue of the money. You can't outgive God, and I guarantee you that if you've never given, try giving and see what happens for your finances. Even I got lazy, and I realized that's probably what happened to me. You know, and the best way to get out of a hole is just give. So that's what I want to say on giving. But that kind of irks me, you know what I mean? Because I really know what's behind that spirit of greed. Where do you think the money's supposed to come to keep the lights on? If no one gave, trust God. He does it through his people, my friends. Okay? If everybody had the stingy attitude that, I don't have to give a dime. Let them trust God to keep their light bills on. Well, they may have to go find another church because if no one gave, they wouldn't be able to pay their electric bill. Now would they? Let those orphans trust God. Folks, God have mercy on you. There's children dying that even the government's cast away in India. And it's for the fact that there are people that give to the orphans that they might be able to live, and they're not dead right now. Shame on you. I don't say that to tell you to give to me. I'm not not the message here. The message is, I believe giving is for today, whatever you want to call it. Don't be stingy toward God, or why should he be bountiful towards you and I? I think that's why we're in the mess we are. So, you know, talking about the terror church, I think we've got two terrorist churches you know, the tares are growing up along with the wheat, and I believe there's a very thin road that walks in between these. It's like a minefield. You've got to be very careful and examining what we've been talking about tonight. Can okay, you got to, you know, have a, maintain a balance, take everything to the Lord in prayer. I think I said all I wanted to say. Shall we open up some lines? I think we can. And um hey, I don't expect you to agree with me. If you don't agree with me and you want to throw me under the bus, that's fine. I think there's 60,000 other blog, talk, radio shows you can go listen to. Don't waste your time. But I don't throw people on the bus because they disagree with me. I leave room for people to reconcile. I'm a man enough to admit that I can miss it. I've missed it many times. I'm still learning. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the key is that you get back up, you keep seeking God for truth, because do you really want to be in deception, my friends? Wouldn't you want uh, your friend who's a Hindu or Muslim right now to really challenge what he believes and wake up and see Jesus Christ who can set him free? Oh, I did want to cover one other thing. This is probably very controversial. Uh, we need It has to be on the list of controversial things that I believe in. That is the issue of Christians can have demons. I think you know my standpoint on that. Yes, they can. Uh, that is our enemy. Uh, I believe that uh, we are to cast out demons when we find them. In ourselves and With Christians uh, who come to us for deliverance, if we know something about it, and they're in cooperation, if a person's not saved, they don't know Jesus Christ, there's not much you can do for them, my friends. You could could bind their demons and give them a little bit of relief and ask God to send His Holy Spirit to convict them, but ultimately if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict someone, they can't come to Christ. And if you cast a demon out of them, which you probably can as a, a Christian, I believe you could, it would just make them worse off than you found them. Therefore, that wouldn't be a prudent thing to do. So you've got to have the cooperation of someone. They've got to be willing to repent, to forgive, and to stay clean. Otherwise, you cast the demon out, and if they go back and live like they did before, they're just going to get reinfected. It's going to be worse. But uh, don't miss my point here. Deliverance is for today, and I love to do deliverance. I want to see demons tortured. They've tortured me long enough. I'm fighting some now, as you probably are. I don't know anybody who's not demonized except Jesus Christ. I think everybody else has walked the planet since Adam and Eve fell and they broke the hedge and Satan came in. Then a, a spirit jumped into Cain. He killed his brother. That was probably the first demonized man on history record. Everybody you look around has got some demon in one level or another. Pride, ego, arrogance. They're spirits. Paul had a messenger of Satan sent above him. The apostle Paul had a demon in his flesh could be in your mind, your will, your emotions. It won't be in your spirit if you have the Holy Spirit, but it's got four other options where it can exist. It, it might be on the outside of the body just riding your back like a monkey. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I believe deliverance is for today, and uh, I want to keep on learning about deliverance, bringing uh, teachers on that can talk about it. And then I believe, you know, you deal with it as you, you need to. You evangelize, you deliver, you lay hands on the sick. They'll recover? Okay, you have the full gospel message going. Not just deliverance or not just evangelism. The whole thing. You're supposed to be instant in season and out of season. Being able to operate in these gifts. Or maybe God has given you one gift versus another. But you know, um, yes, I do believe deliverance is for today. So I just wanted to throw that in. I think I've said my piece. Why don't I do this? Um why don't I go to a song break, and then we'll come back, and we'll go to the phone lines. We've got 43 minutes remaining. we be right back with you. Let me cue up the, uh, the music.
0: Tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, to the Omega Man Radio Network with your host Shannon Ray Davis. Omega Man Radio is taking enemy territory for Jesus Christ, Yahshua preaching the gospel of the Messiah, and ministering in deliverance and miracle healing. Add some great guest interviews, and you have the recipe for fresh oil for the airwaves. Tune in at OmegaManRadio.com.
1: All right, I am back. And here we go. Let's go to the telephone lines. We've got about 38 minutes remaining. We've got plenty of time. Uh, I needed to get that out so you know where I stand and you don't think that uh, I've been uh, turned into a heretic. (laughs) Let's go to the air. Here we go. Carl, you're on the air. Yes, uh, thank you for waiting. Do you have a question tonight? Is this vibey?
2: Yes, hi, Shannon. Uh,
1: okay, I can hardly hear you. Speak up just a little bit.
2: Okay, I'm um, sorry, my phone was on mute because sometimes um, when the show is on, it seems that if you speak on here, that it actually goes through um, onto the show, so I didn't oh, want yes. to anything.
1: Yes, how are you doing today, my friend?
2: I'm doing very good. Um, and last night, as you know, we I spoke to you at about 4 o'clock in the morning, so you know I... <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I was up all whole, whole night and when I tried to go to bed, um, God still gave me a message as well. I just wanted to quickly say something to um, avid coffee drink here um, about the migraines. Um, a lot of the time it's a chemical reaction uh, within the body, but what I have also found is that there's two other causes as well. The one cause being that there is a force trying to enter um, the body and it happens through um, the effect of pressure on the head and the third one being that um, the Lord is actually trying to speak to to that person so one needs discernment um, when you tackle something like that but anyway, with that out of the way let me give you the message I got after we spoke on the phone last night Um, Lamentations 1 Um, Verse 8, and this goes hand in hand with what you've been saying here this evening. Jerusalem has sinned grievously, and she has become a thing unclean. Now, the church now has rejected the Spirit of God. If you go on a couple of verses down, it says, They have seen her nakedness. In other words, her weaknesses are exposed they have realized that the spirit is rejected and the power of God is no longer in them. If you go to verse 9, her fault clings to the hem of her clothes. Now we know the clothes are meant to be that which is purified by Christ. Our clothes are supposed to be washed. So it is no longer pure. And then it says, She had never thought of ending like this, sinking as low as this. In other words, the church or the people in the church are descending from the kingdom. They are leaving their proper domain. They are no longer standing within the power of God. As you have said earlier about all the names, people believe in this name, that name. All these kinds of names. That's not what it's about. It's about the spirit of God. Amen. And verse 10 says, The oppressor has laid hands on all she treasured. This is material. This is an actual physical manifestation. But we know a physical manifestation also follows a spiritual manifestation. Now the church nowadays, because... This all goes hand in hand. Because the church has rejected the Spirit of God, they no longer work with the Spirit. They work with their own physical hands. Therefore, everything that they are touching, everything they are doing is becoming unclean. And therefore the oppressor is laying his hands on all that she has treasured, on everything. And this is what people are missing. I mean, they are missing the true fact that if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ in you, then there is nothing you can do. And the last psalm that the Lord gave me last night before I went to bed was psalm 70. And it starts off with, "Oh, come and rescue me, God. Okay, I'm reading out of a Jewish study Bible, so when I have Yahweh in here, um, it means Lord. So... Oh come and rescue me, God. What does this mean? My trust is in God. Your trust is not in man. Your trust is not in church. Your trust is nowhere, anywhere else. And it says, Yahweh, come quickly and help me. And it also goes on to say, shame and dishonor on those who are out to kill me. What exactly does that mean? It means let them bear their own iniquity. In the New Testament it says, shake off the dust so that you no longer contain attachments with these people. Because if you contain attachments, if you maintain your attachments with these people, there is an emotional bond and through that emotional bond, the spirits can flow and influence your life. This is important. People are always asking me, how do I prepare for spiritual warfare? How, how can I get ready to stand against this and against that? The Lord's words have all the answers in them. Amen. And, and still in the second part of verse 2 it says, down with them disgrace on those who enjoy misfortune. What does that mean? It means let them suffer their own curses. It returns upon them automatically if you break the connection, if you shake off the dust from your feet and you return to your first love, which is to trust in God. Verse 4. But joy and gladness for all who seek you. In other words, for all who enter the kingdom of God, who enter under the protection of His wing. There's no one that can touch you, there's no one that can do anything with you. Whether there is feelings of guilt, whether there's feelings of this, they will all disappear as soon as you enter under the wing of God, as soon as you enter into his kingdom. People are trying to find physical external sources to point at, to do things, to do this. Where the main answer in the secret is, as given in the New Testament, Seek the kingdom of God and everything else will follow. Amen. The last last part of verse 4 says, To all who love your saving power, give constant cause to say, God is great. What does that do? It says we are magnifying God. We are allowing the power of God to manifest in our lives. We are allowing His presence. We are allowing His glory. We are allowing His power to radiate from our homes. To bring it back together. To put the love back in the family. To fill us with His Spirit. And to give us the joy of His grace and kindness. Which is why He sent His Son. So we could have life. But even after David, who knew all of this. You go on and you read verse 5. To me, poor wretch... Come quickly God, my helper, my saviour, Yahweh, come without delay. And this shows us that even with all this wisdom and all this understanding he had, he still had unbelief. And the Lord reminded me of the person in the Bible who wanted his child made well. And he said, Lord I want to, but help thou my unbelief. And yes. that is the key factor. The key factor in our spiritual warfare is God help our unbelief. Help us draw closer. We mustn't start relying on our own perfection. We mustn't think that we have now been taught. We are now wise and we have been taught and we can do spiritual warfare. It is a continuous growing process. Amazing. There is nothing we can do. We grow. Every single day. And that is what it means to worship God and to love Him. And that's why the Lord says, love me with your whole heart. Because if you love Him with your whole heart, you will be seeking Him every single day. And those are the keys to successful spiritual warfare, to taking out the devil in your life that is stealing every blessing that you have. The Lord says, the thief only comes to steal, but I have come to give life abundantly. But then there is a secret in there. He says, you enter in through me. In other words, you have to enter in through Jesus Christ. You have to drop all your doctrines that you've learned before, all your false teachings, all your everything, so you can go through him and be filled with the Spirit. And once you go out on the other side, that's when you will get pasture. That's when the love of God will be in your life. That's when the power of Jesus Christ will be manifested and none of these other powers will be able to distract you for longer than is necessary. You might be distracted for a while, but that is only to further teach you. And that is the only message I wanted to share with you this evening, Shannon.
1: Hey, Romeo, um, would would you be released to share any information about uh, how to take your your thoughts and mind into captivity?
2: Okay, let me let me speak about that. I wasn't really prepared to speak about that, but I'll go. I think on. it's important, though. Okay, we've we've got to remember that our our thoughts are programmed into us from a young age. We are being taught left and right. Everything that we have in our lives has been taught to us by some or other person. Anyone who understands the spiritual world, even in a very small percentage, knows that we are filled with all kinds of spirits. We're not only just talking about demons, we're speaking about unclean entities, lower astral entities, all kinds of things. So, every single person that has spoken to to you in your life, the chances are about 70% of those people had some or other kind of spirit manifesting in them for a certain percentage of the day. That person speaking to you has transferred some of that spirit's fallacies, some of the, the impurities into your life. That is part of your entire thought system at the moment. Um... When you watch TV, most of what's on there is already a direct result of the programming of those spirits, books, magazines, you name it. So, when you are going and you are reading your Bible and you are not tuning yourself in properly to connect with God, what happens is that these fallacies start interpreting the Word of God that you are reading, instead of the Spirit of God. So what you need to do is you need to say, Lord Jesus Christ, please take my thoughts into captivity. Because I do not want to think anything else. I do not want to know anything else. I am here. I am here to commune with you. And unless you can commune with Him, and you can actually hear the Lord. The other programs and things in your life are interpreting and distorting the word of God. Now, what about your imagination? I mean, let's say, for example, I live in a in a in a um, one-bedroom prefab home. My imagination and my desires is to have a three-bedroom house with a nice couches and a nice car and this and this and that. So while you are going in and you are there reading your Bible, you say, Lord, Lord, please bless me. Please help me. Please do this. Please, please, please. But your imaginations are saying, I want the three-bedroom house. I want a nice car. I want this. You are not entering in with your mind being captive and your feelings and your emotions and your desires being captive. So your prayers are being hindered in the Jewish Tradition, there is a a Semiroth, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Um, I see there's a theology guy on here, he might be able to actually tell you this. Semiroth is pruning hooks. Now when you are praying to God, there is all these pruning hooks that are trying to attach to your prayers to hinder your prayers reaching God. Because remember, it is through the Spirit, it is through sincerity and a pure heart that you are getting on through your connection to God to directly connect to have the inflowing of the Spirit. And the devil's plan since the beginning has been to block our access to God and His Spirit. And this is clearly visible if you watch all the error in the doctrine. They are making it the words of man. They are making it... theology to a degree where the spirit of God is no longer present, And God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now how how are you going to read your Bible even if what you are reading in front of you is not being interpreted by the Holy Spirit, which incidentally is the key to opening it all up. Otherwise you are discerning it with your mental mind. You are looking at those words in front of you On a blasphemous way. I mean, friends, there are books in the world called Grimbois, Magical Manuals, blah, 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 blah. Many people that are novices follow these um, manuals with minimal effect. In other words, their witchcraft rituals, etc. have very little power. But the ones who are in the higher hierarchies know that if I have the correct demon or spirit It will open up to me and show me the exact way to do it. The Bible is no different. It is God's magical book and can only be unlocked with the Holy Spirit. And as long as your mind is in the forefront of interpreting everything that you are reading, you are not getting the true magical power out of the Word of God because the Spirit is not guiding you. And that is why people suffer in this day and age. That is why the church, the true church, the true church is the believers in the body of Christ, standing together in unity with the Spirit of God, having the power to walk this world and tread on scorpions and serpents. People cannot do that anymore. They have to bind exes and curses and vexes and all kinds of things when they go anywhere. Because they don't have the spirit in their life to walk over them. Now the truth of the matter is, the spirit is the key. And I might have gone on a bit longer. and I mean this is a very passionate thing in my life, because I believe the most powerful thing in the world is the connection of God. To be in His kingdom, to be under His wing, and to have His spirit. Once you have that, your life is free and God will teach you. He is the teacher, not man. God can speak to you through anyone, any person, as long as you can discern His Spirit. If you cannot discern His Spirit, you will believe any lie, any lie coming from a church man that might even be a practicing Satanist or occultist. In my walk in the past, I have met pastors who were Satanists who stand in front of a church and preach deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. So my friends, you better... Open up to God's Spirit and allow it to fill you. You better continuously open your hearts. Seek the Lord with all your hearts. Look for that still, small voice, because that is where the power is.
1: Amen. That's a great message. Uh, No, we needed to hear that. Um, Romeo, we've got about 20 minutes remaining. Would you be able to stay on for the duration?
2: I would be able to stay
1: on. Folks, we have 20 minutes remaining on this show. Uh, the phone lines just keep going crazy, we might have to uh go into another three hours. <laughs> uh at any rate, if you would like to call in, you've got a question for Romeo or myself, you need prayer. You want to make a comment on what we'll we talk about tonight? The number is nine one seven eight eight nine two seven four five. I'd love to hear from you. Uh the lines are open, so call in and we'll we'll talk with you or pray with you. Whatever you need tonight. And I want to thank everybody for uh, coming back tonight. And let me uh, correct some of the issues from last night's show. I feel feel better about that. Uh, I don't know if everybody that listened last night uh, did come back tonight, but uh, you know, I did pray before the show, Romeo, that God would give me a chance to set things straight, and uh, He would send the people to the program to listen that He wanted to listen. So praise God for that. So uh, there are a lot of people, Romeo, writing in that uh, are coming out of the occult. Uh, asking for, you know, I need some help, I need deliverance, Uh, you know, my son's demonized or I'm coming out of the witchcraft, and there's just people crying out everywhere. And, folks, that's why we we do a lot of these shows on deliverance, because people of God are being slaughtered, because they don't believe that a Christian can be demon, or if demonized, or if they they are demonized, they don't know where to get help. And, um, you know, I'm thankful for the men and women of God that have come on the show to like Romeo and Dr. Pat Holliday and others that have shared information that we, uh, we need to look at with regards to deliverance. And like with anything, Romeo, we need to sort it out, correct?
2: Yes, people are starving for the Word of God because the Word of God is twisted in every which way that you can think of. But moreover, people are starving for the Spirit of God, my friend, because it is the Spirit of God that is the power Man forgets, man makes God into a tangible object. God is spirit, and that spirit is the power. And you cannot have that power manifested in your life if you don't have the spirit of God in your life. And I've just recently been convicted to start making a website where I can post some articles, and there's nothing on it yet, but the website's name is stopfollowingman.com.
3: Oh, I and
2: like that. I will try and put as much information on there as possible. Um, I've also spoken to some friends who would help to actually host it in different countries so that if some or other hacker tries to take it down, it would stay up. But my main message in life is, don't follow me. I am just a servant, the same as every other person on this radio show. We are all here... be filled with the Holy Spirit we are all here to try and do what we can we have heard the call God is calling us and he's saying feed my sheep Now, how can we feed his sheep if we don't even have the inflowing of the Holy Spirit people you need to open up to God's Spirit that is the only way and the only way to open up to God's Spirit is to consecrate your heart open up your heart to God Bend your knees. Every knee will bend before him. And many of us say, Yes, Lord, I'm bending. Yes, Lord, I'm doing this. Are you really bending? Or is your imagination and your mind and your will, is that still in front of you? Is that still dictating how you want the Lord to work in your, lo- in your life? Are you still wanting some glory in one way or another for being the vessel that is going out there And that is actually saying, hey, I am the one preaching the word of God. I mean, that is the most important part. And as soon as we start realizing that, that's when the Lord's power starts flowing through us because then he knows we are humble and we will not be taking and stealing away the glory which belongs to God, the highest one, from him. But we will be doing what we have to
1: Well, amen. You know, just like the Word says, God will not put on more on you than you can bear, you know. And with every temptation, there'll be a way of escape. I also believe that God will not trust you financially with more than you can handle, if you know it would destroy you. And I believe that uh, when it comes to ministry, that uh, you're not going to see any powerful anointing for the ministry of God if, at the end of the day, it would cause your head to explode and it'd be like, look on me, you know, I can cast out demons, I can... Lay hands, and people are coming out of their wheelchairs. We won't see the anointing power of God, folks, if if we're not uh, recognizing where the power that comes, where the power is coming from, and that it's not about us. If Jesus Christ doesn't show up, there is no anointing to do anything. Uh, we may be able to go under our own power for so long, my friends, uh, but then we're just going to fall flat on our face. I mean, what's going on where it says Romeo that people? be before Jesus, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons or heal the sick? And he says, depart from me because I never knew you?
2: It is extremely simple. People are wanting the manifestation. People are making idols of their own hands. That's that first part in Lamentations, which I read, where it says, and Jerusalem's wickedness was discovered. In other words, her garments are defiled. People are going out in the world, and they are saying, I want to be the exorcist. I want to be the deliverer. Um, I am doing the work. I am the one who is bringing out the spirit here and making this and this and this happen. that 's not what it 's about. What it 's about is the Lord working at that point of time, and the sa- Satan and these hosts, the adversary is very clever. What yes. they come in is they come in with a slow angle of arrogance ego and pride. And in the end, that pastor or that exorcist or that one who was a true believer starts believing that the power of God is flowing through his hands. The message and the emphasis becomes his hands, his word, his mind. And that is when you start seeing all these funny things happening. And that is why every single person out there That is, hearing the call of God. God is saying, awaken my people. Stand up. Let the power grow. And the only way that can happen is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is all I think that any message in this day and age should be. There are many unbeliefs. There are many false doctrines. There are many deceptions. Like, for example, you mentioned... Uh, Santa Claus, and you mentioned many of these other um, pagan entries into Christian churches. Do you know that if you have the Holy Spirit, He will reveal it to you even when you just look at it. If you have opened yourself up, the Lord will reveal it all to you. You wouldn't even have to go study 50 books or 100 books. Where your heart is, that's where you will be. So if your heart is with Jesus... He will yes. reveal it all to you. He will open it up. He is the one that knows everything. We only know and see in part. And then again, some of us have different paths. So what is the devil's next trick? Oh no, your path is not the right path. My path is the right path. You are speaking to even people. That's wrong. I'm speaking to Christian people. Right. Um, I'm speaking to Baptists. You're speaking to Protestants. Oh no, you speak to near-age people. That's not what it's about. It's all about the love of God into this world where He has come to call the lost sheep. And I think that is what we all need to focus on. And from some of the comments I've gotten from your show, and I'm sure from some of the comments you've gotten from your show, you can see that there is a lot of people that are coming here that are sincerely seeking. And the ones that are sincerely seeking are asking the right questions. And yes. I believe there are more people out there on this chat show, even now, that are sincere, that need to actually be able to phone in and to share their little bit of the message. Because God does not give glory to one man, in other words, Amen. to me, to you, or to anyone else. There are people that, out there that as a part of the message, and the Lord says, come out of your soul. It is now time to stand up. Don't hide your light under the bucket. The awakening call has gone out. It is time for us to rise. It is time for the power of God to truly combat the powers in this world. And we're not going to do it through our words and through Xing and vexing and curses we are breaking and through doctrine. The biggest thing that we are doing is through our example every single day. And I believe if we get the message from everyone out there and each person gives his little bit of shade, truly convicted by God, together all of that will build a bigger and a better picture for us to have a more fulfilled life and be closer to God.
1: Amen to that. Uh, If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mega Man Radio tonight. I took the first two and a half hours and uh, corrected the issues that we had in last night's program with a guest, and my mistakes. And uh, I repented for that. I made sure that you now know my position completely. (laughs) And we've had Romeo on here sharing some great uh, wisdom here and word from the Lord. What you're saying is right on, my friend. So back to this issue of uh, how to take our mind and thoughts into captivity. Really, we need to uh, ask God to uh, not let us be deceived, to help our own belief, to drop the scales off of our eyes, open our eyes. And basically, we take authority and bind our own mind and will and emotions. And um, what are the other attributes we need to take authority over?
2: We need to take authority over every attribute in our bodies until it is brought unto the subjection of the will of Jesus Christ.
1: So, that because... would will be a sample prayer. How would someone actually, how would you articulate that, that they could do it?
2: I think the the best way is not to try and tackle everything at once. I know many people say, well, I want to get clean, I want to get clean right now, and I want to get clean immediately. The best way is to start at a single point. Start with your mind and your thoughts, because that's what governs most of your day. If the thoughts that you are hearing throughout the day is not even your own thoughts, but some spirit or some attached entity to you, directing your ways throughout the day, then how are you even going to start making sense of anything that is happening around you? So the the real place to start is your mind and your thoughts because that is where you discern, really, modern man, take note, I'm not talking real discernment, modern man discerns in his mind and his thoughts how and what is coming in here? We are supposed to discern with our hearts first because God gave us the message in a specific way. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart. There is a very strong reason why he said heart first. Not mind, not soul, not strength. But heart. Because if your heart is turning towards God, that's when your are thoughts and everything will start aligning. So your prayer should be, Lord, please take my thoughts captive. Because they are being distributed all over the place, distracting you, taking your strength away from you, and opening you up to whatever else is around there, the whims of the devil, the deceits, the distractions, the pitfalls of sin. It is all there. And we cannot believe the thief any longer. I mean, we need to really get up and start doing what we have to do. Someone mentioned accountability early on. Accountability is very important. Stewardship over the body, the mind, the will and the emotions you've been given, that is very important. You've been given that body and how you take care of it, that is what you're going to be judged upon. Shannon, are you still there, or are you good?
1: All right. Did I lose you all? I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I think you disappeared there for a while.
1: Yeah, I think that was my pizza at the door.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, it'll make me hungry, but uh, I had to order a Domino's. you got to have some comfort food when you're doing six hours of radio night. Uh, but listen, praise praise God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, they get all the praise for the programs. Um uh, if they do not show up, as I've said many times, and there is no deliverance, there is no healing. And it's about the Father God and His Son, Jesus Christ, getting the glory, because the minute we try to bring ourselves in the equation saying look upon me, I'm the source of the deliverance of miracles, it's over with, folks. And you know what that is? That's a spirit that rises up in you. That's a spirit of uh, uh, relig- uh, pride. What would you identify that as, Romeo? You know, the look on me" spirit.
2: It is mostly ego, um, ego yes. that is manif- manifested, but you've got to remember that ego usually brings in what is called arrogance and pride. Yes. And as soon as as soon as those are there, you must remember, pride is the biggest spirit in the world at this present moment. Lucifer fell because of pride. Oh, that's Therefore, true. Therefore, the Bible clearly gives us the key with pride. You are being separated from God. And that is the weakness of Jerusalem. They no longer rely on the Spirit of God. They rely on themselves. And by relying on themselves, they've opened up to pride. And the thoughts that are rolling around in their heads and how they are discerning and interpreting what they're reading, what they're hearing, that is actually the attachment to the Spirit of Pride. Amen, I mean, and uh, it's about a relationship with
1: Jesus Christ, is it not? It's about a relationship the Spirit, with,
2: yeah, with the that Father. That the, yes, That's how the Spirit can grow in us. Without that relationship, as you know, Shannon, there is no growth.
1: Let me ask you a question.
2: Is the Word of God
1: uh, intact? Is it still for today, Romeo?
2: The Word of God is for all ages. mean, Amen. Uh, I mentioned earlier on how witches use certain books. Now, there are churches, which I will call covens, which use the Word of God as a book to control their congregation emotionally. They control them as the witches would control the members in the covens. And this is the image that they are following. This is the image where they are walking towards. And anyone who has ever been into witchcraft or magic or the occult cult that has been in deep enough will clearly see all the similarities in these churches that they are nothing but rituals. They are nothing but opening up to spirit's fulfillment. And well, what they can uh, do... Yeah.
1: They can take the, the word of God, which is for today, Dan Bissell, I believe in the King James Bible is uh, still the Word of God after 400 years. It has went through the test of time. There may be a hundred archaic words that I might have to look up in a dictionary, but it's the Word of God, folks. You can trust in the Word of God. And there is power in the name of Jesus Christ, and that's the only way to the Father. But uh, people can take the Word of God and they can corrupt it, and they'll pull one verse out of it, which is the warlocks can do this, and build a whole damnable doctrine. Can they not, Romeo?
2: They can build the whole doctrine. That is why you read that verse in the Bible where the Lord says, Go away from me. I do not know you. Yes. And that's the simple truth of it. You've got to remember that there are occultists, and there are people following um, what is called high magic that uses the names of God and even the name of Jesus Christ to summon and bind Spirits within certain areas, and to actually use those spirits to go and curse people in those names. And I believe that the church nowadays is cursing their followers. Most of the people going to these super-rich churches are all cursed with poverty. That is what is happening.
1: That's serious. Uh, we've got about one minute remaining. Romeo, give out your contact information. How can people reach you if they'd like to contact you and um, they'd like you to pray with them? Uh, they're looking for more deliverance information or like to pick your brain? What's the best way from the you?
2: The best way at the moment is still that email I use which is vibeyshaman at gmail.com and soon it will be um, the website I mentioned earlier which says stop following man and I saw a question from Rando here saying, is there no victory? Um, Yes, there is victory. The victory is through the Spirit of God filling us. The victory is through the true power of God because there's no one that can stand in front of it. When Jesus was in the garden and they asked, who are you? And he said, I am. Every every person around him fell flat.
1: That's right. They couldn't move. They were slain in the Spirit, weren't they? (laughs) <laughs>
2: exactly. You you don't need guns, my friend. You don't need anything. I have had people come to, to me wanting to kill me and I say In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, stand still. And that person does not move. It is not about how you pronounce it, it's not about any of those things. It's about your believing God and Amen. being filled with the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God and receiving the Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming on, Romeo. Thank you, everyone, uh, for coming out tonight. Uh, God bless you, and uh, I'll see you again uh, probably tomorrow night. Oh, you must uh, check out BOMBS program tomorrow at 6 p.m. Central Time. It'll be a uh, prayer meeting for all women. 6 p.m. Central Times on fire with bombs. Check it out, please.
2: Thank you, everybody. Good night.
1: Thank you, my brother. I'll talk to you all later. God bless you all.
2: Bye-bye